This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. Every day's a Saturday. Every night's a night like this. Every time that we Hello folks, welcome into the show, bang on 10am, my name is Daniel McCarty, no Grant Elliott for the three hours, we will hear from Grant Elliott, one day soon our rest and rotation policy will come to an end, and we will be in a studio together, we, we will duke it out, so to speak. Ben Francis is here, he is the glue that holds the ship all together, uh, along with you, our uh, adoring audience, he shall say, rather humbly. You can always play a part. You can pick up the phone. Give us a call on 0800-150811 if you would like to. You can also send us a message to the Tim for Bedpost text machine. You do that, double eight, double three, and what a Saturday night of sport we had ahead of us. Uh, I don't know uh, how you're going to do it tonight. A, a bit of multi-screening, triple screening, quadruple screening. Is that such a thing? Uh, two's as far as I can go. Uh, Cowboys Warriors later tonight, isn't it? 7.30 our time. Uh, Blues Crusaders at 7 o'clock. Uh, what a Saturday night we've got ahead of ourselves. But we'll reflect on well, the Friday night that has been and uh, some other big issues um, as far as the sporting week is concerned. That is all still to come. And we will hear the dulcet tones of Grant Elliott. Fear not, he will play a significant part in this program. But at the top of the hour, every hour, we like to inform you with the very latest in sports headlines. And let's roll into that. Starting off with Super Rugby, an improved second half has seen the Hurricanes blow away the Waratahs in their Super Rugby Pacific clash in Wellington. Uh, Try doubles from Kenny Naholo and Cameron Roygaard. Uh, the former of that Naholo on starting debut, uh, got at the home side to a 34-17 win, their third over Australian opposition this season. Tonight there is a Super Rugby Grand Final rematch, you may have heard, between the Blues and the Crusaders from Eden Park. To cricket, and Devon Conway has struck a brisk half-century to put the Black Caps on top at 155 for the loss of two in play, was abandoned due to bad light on a blustery rain-hit opening day of the second test against Sri Lanka in Wellington. The opener's 78 from 108 balls on a grassy pitch uh, was the highlight of the day and gave the host a flying start after the Sri Lankans won the toss and decided to field at the Basin Reserve. Uh, in form number three, Kane Williamson, 26 not out, with Henry Nichols on 18 not out. Uh, the pair uh, not out overnight, having built a 37-run stand for the third wicket. Uh, when play uh, ended 20 minutes early from the scheduled uh, time, there was uh, quite a... Uh, delay due to rain earlier in the day. Uh, play due to start at 10.30. Uh, the Wellington Phoenix have fallen to the heaviest defeat of the A-League season, thumped by five goals to one by Adelaide United in quite a perplexing game. The Wellington Phoenix had lots of good chances to score goals. They only scored one of them, uh, while at times their defending was comical. Almost as funny as the miss Costa Barbarossa's had late in the first half as well. They were without star striker who remained uh, in Wellington, he being Oscar Zawada, uh, waiting for the arrival of his first child. The New Zealand Bay side uh, did to bungle quite a few opportunities and are the latest victims to Adelaide's now 10-game winning streak. Phoenix will now have a week off for an international break before hosting the Melbourne victory 
on April 1st. There you have it, the very latest in sports headlines to 10 minutes, sorry, four minutes after 10 o'clock. What have we got on the show for you? Grant Elliott is almost in the poised position to join us ahead of day number two of the second test. He's uh, providing commentary for Spark Sport. We'll reflect on uh, day number one, um, the end of that quite extraordinary test match in Christchurch, the first of two between these two sides. They went down literally to the last ball. I'm still trying to get my head over head around what we have seen in Test Match Cricket and consecutive tests. What are the chances? One in a billion? Truly uh, amazing. Grant Elliott uh, to stop by later this hour, part of our uh, Talking Cricket segment. We like to call it Swinging Both Ways. Also on the show, we've got you NRL fans covered uh, with the former greats. Brent Kamali's going to drop by and drop all the knowledge on us. The Dolphins, what a story they are. Three wins from three after another victory this weekend. They're top of the NRL. Now, Brett Kamali knows all about joining a startup franchise that hits the ground running. He was with the Melbourne Storm, of course, when I think they won 17 games in their first ever season. Uh, can the story last? That will be one of the questions we ask our Brett Kamali as we reflect on the NRL and look ahead to that Cowboys-Warriors game later tonight, 7.30 kickoff. I remind you of that one. So he will join us. Uh, in the next hour, probably around about 11.30. Prior to that, uh, we're going to not only Super Rugby Pacific going on, but uh, over the next uh, week or so at uh, Owen Delaney Park, a really interesting tournament, uh, the uh, Super Rugby Pacific Under-20 tournament uh, kicks off. There's uh, a new format this year. Not only the New Zealand uh, Super Rugby franchises are represented, uh, but the uh, two Pacifica squads also, so the Drua and um, Moana Pacifica have a team in that. Uh, the action comes thick and fast over seven days. I think they play three games. It's kind of a single elimination format, kind of, but it works out with a ranking system, but like a hockey tournament as well. If I've confused you, luckily we've got Matt Sexton, who is New Zealand Rugby's High Performance Director, um, uh, to uh, join us uh, to explain to us how important this is. You might remember the 2019 Under-20 World Cup uh, New Zealand was spanked. I think we finished seventh, didn't we? There hasn't been a world tournament since um, due to COVID in 2021-22. It reappears on the rugby calendar June, July this year in South Africa. Uh, so we'll talk about um, you know w- what they have done also in the interim years um, to um, improve their development programs. Looking forward to catching up with Matt Sexton. He's also a former crusader, isn't he, Ben Francis? So I'll probably ask him. Um, if someone at NZR is allowed to stick their neck out and actually uh, make a prediction on the big game tonight. Uh, so that is still to come. And then after 12 o'clock, really interesting week, not only for the Wellington Phoenix last night, uh, last weekend with their women's side beating the tabletop of Sydney FC. No smashing grab job that was. They were excellent. They dominated uh, for large stretches. Um, one, one goal to nil. They'll back in action later today uh, from around 5 o'clock at Sky Stadium against Perth Glory. But more importantly, from a New Zealand footballing perspective, um, that affects both the men's and women's game in the professional uh, era. Uh, announcement uh, that Auckland, one of the preferred uh, cities of two, them and Canberra for an expansion team in the A-Leagues. Uh, excellent uh, news. Still lots of water to go under the bridge, and I know it's not solely his domain, but we're going to catch up with the general manager of the Wellington Phoenix, David Dome, his overall thoughts, how it impacts his football club, um, and if he um, shares the irony that I certainly see that after many years of being told, basically, you're not good enough for the A-League, Wellington, uh, Auckland is the preferred destination. Um, yeah. New Zealand football, I hope you're rather thankful to that football club in Wellington and their ownership for hanging in for a number of years. We're on the precipice of now having a second professional footballing side. 
legitimate derby. That will raise the stakes. Still, um, I've seen how challenging it has been financially for A-League clubs over the years. Um, I really hope it does get over the line. I really do. But 20, 25 million, that's a whole lot of New Zealand pesos, isn't it? Almost what Ben Francis gets paid. Collectively, over a 500-year period, if he stayed at SCNZ. How are you, mate? Good to see you, buddy. Oh, mate, I, I'm... How's that for a welcome? Oh, How's that? The thing is, you couldn't be more far from the truth, mate. No, I said collectively over 500 years. Oh, if yeah. If you okay. consecutively every single day for 500 years, you might, you know, draw that... Which is, which is a real shame, because I'm actually... With, with, with inflation included in that. Yeah, of course. But like, I think I think it's quite cool that there could be the return of an Auckland franchise. You know, I know there have been a couple in the past, but the kind of thing... I just we, want a derby. Yeah, I do I too. A derby, mate. The thing that came to mind, though, is that there's been talk about what stadium they'll play at, and then I kind of thought back, man, they should have really built that waterfront stadium. Oh, please don't go down that path. <laughs> I well, Open some old roads. Sporting grounds in Auckland. Um, gee, that, yeah. Let's not I've get got started. no words. I've run out of words. I've discussed it for 15 years, and I'm a Wellingtonian, and I, I, I really empathise with people in Auckland. It just seems you're not particularly well served. I, and and I know, the financials is the most important issue, and whether or not they can actually find the money to get this off the ground. That, that is a bigger. But if we can leave that alone, in simple terms, let's just have a bit of fun with it, Ben Francis. I want you to come up with a name for this football club. All right. Uh, colours and shirt design. Are, are you going, you know, for example, just an all-blue strip? Or are you going blue and white hoops? Or uh, are, are you going to bring black into it somehow? Uh, and our, our listeners can play this part uh, as well. And where should they play? And where should they play? There you go. And for those listening, um, name a club. Where should they play? You know, the, the, you sing loud. Sing loud. And hopefully people listening, I don't know if they're, you know, a future owner's having a haircut at a barber. Um like happened apparently in Wellington um, all those years ago. They might be inspired by your suggestion of a team name, um, where they should play, and, and, and maybe strip suggestions. Uh, get those in. Uh, so we'll catch up with David Dome after 12 o'clock. Mate, are you fizzed for tonight, Ben Francis? You've got, you give me the peace sign. Oh, no. Well, I was, you uh, come the, up with the no, answer? The, the, the hand was up, but I was going oh, to say, if I happen to win Lotto in the next year or so, there might be an investment coming from me. Ooh. Oh, really? Well, I think it'd be quite cool to be part of. Uh, but speaking of tonight, I've got a bit of a dilemma tonight, Daniel. I've got a real dilemma tonight, and it, and it's really yeah. bugging me. So, yeah. of course, the Warriors are on at the same time as, as the Blues-Crusaders game, and knowing me, I'm always going to pick the Warriors. However, tomorrow afternoon, myself and Steve Devine are hosting the, the rugby run. So I, oh, I, I, I kind of need to watch the Crusaders game. Yeah. The Crusaders Blues yeah. game, but I I much rather watch the Warriors. So I'm I'm a, yeah. a bit of a pick. I'm in a situation where I can only watch one at at once. Yeah, and I know you, you you're not a bit. From what I remember, we've discussed this in the past. You're not a big split screener, are you? No, I have, no. You like to stay. Fo- you have to stay focused on one game at a time. Yeah, I have to. Well, you're gonna have to burn through some brownie points, aren't you, mate? You're gonna have to go back to back. I've got no brownie you're points, mate. You're gonna have to go back. <laughs> really, you got none. <laughs> you're out. It's only March, and you're empty. I'm always some lawns you can do. I'm always empty, mate. Some lawns you can do. (laughs) I do not. I got told this week, Daniel. I got told I need to lift my finger more. Ooh. Wow. What? I need. I I, I need to. I need to do more around the house. Apparently, although I do everything around the house. (laughs) Yeah. 
Oh, really? <laughs> well, I get told to do more around the house often, and I don't do nearly as much around the house as I probably should do. I really hope my wife's listening right now. <laughs> I hope mine's not. <laughs> that, is, that is me admitting my faults, my darling. Now, will I change? Well, you know me. I know what you're going to do. You're going to watch the Warriors live, then you're going to watch a replay tomorrow morning. You can get up early, you set your alarm early, then you watch it. Because that's a game you probably can't bluff on the rugby run, is it, Ben Francis? You probably can't bluff um, our very knowledgeable listeners. No, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so exactly. We'll have to go for it. And uh, also hit me up, Blues and Crusaders fans. I want you to talk expletive about the other club. And as why, sorry, club, don't know why they use those. Why that team will beat that team. Go on. I want you to be as one-eyed and as parochial as possible today. Blues fans, tell me why the Crusaders have no chance. Crusaders fans, tell me why the Blues have no chance. And this man sitting in the middle in Wellington will just feast off your anger and and give me so much joy to read them out. Double eight, double three on the temper bed post text machine. Why your team will win the big Super Rugby clash tonight? and repeat of the uh, Super Rugby Grand Final from last year. Go on, double eight, double three. Charlie, appreciate your message to start us off. Da- uh, morning, Dan. Great show. No doubt for me, Cam Royguard will be the All Blacks number nine in 2024. He is a weapon. I'm not I'm not going to quibble. A, I, I just don't know who's here next year um, in 2024. I'm just trying to get through a World Cup year. But from what I have seen, there's a lot to like about that uh, particular player, Charlie. Appreciate your thoughts. Keep your messages coming in, mate, and uh, everyone else uh, out there. Go on. Let's have some fun today. We always try to do that on the Saturday session. Uh, on the other side, we'll catch up with Grant Elliott, who's about to get ready. Uh, oh, he's probably already got makeup on. Um, we'll have a chat to him ahead of uh, day number two of the uh, second test between New Zealand and Sri Lanka. Uh, we will have swinging both ways coming up after this break with PGG Wrights and Turf. He supplies to New Zealand cricket grounds. Don't tell me he's on the line. Don't tell, Grant Elliott, do you, are you actually a thing? Do you exist? Are you alive? Where are you? How are you? Oh, that is so rich, Daniel McCarty. Um, I came back from my garden deep in my sabbatical last week, only to find that it was just me and Ben Francis. So we, uh, yeah, we put the boot in last week to you, and uh, now I'm away this week. So it hasn't worked well for me, I guess. Well, it's, it is a World Cup year. We need to rest and rotate out the key members of the Saturday session um, uh, under the jurisdiction <laughs> of our fearless leader, Ben Francis. Uh, I'm not sure he's overly wrapped. We haven't been in a studio together till late March. Because there is a rumour we'll be in a room together next Saturday. Is that correct? Yeah, that rumour might be uh, close to being correct. However, um, there is the one-day series of Sri Lanka going on. So <laughs> we might have to do a remote... Maybe I could go to the Auckland one. I've always, I've always threatened to go and visit Ben Francis, so maybe I'll give him a visit. Oh, that's fantastic. Fantastic. Well, it's good to hear your voice, mate. Have you, have you summered well? Should we do one of those annoying catch-ups on, on live radio? What have you been up to? Yeah, we should play golf sometime. I reckon that's one of the biggest things when someone says you haven't seen someone for ages and they go, hey, we should play golf sometime. It's like saying... Uh, I'm not going to see you for another two years, so I'm just going to be polite and say, let's play golf sometime. Um, <laughs> no, I haven't been playing golf. I, I've, I've been, um, been working. Um, I went to India uh, for a couple of days, and that was, that was quite tough because uh, obviously the flooding happened and 
you know, still thinking of the people up north that are recovering from all of that. Um, and no, I've just been missing the Saturday session, really. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Well, we've got you on board because you are, um, you know, out doing some fine work for Spark Sport, covering a test match series that was, well, I'm not sure it sort of just arrived. I'm not sure it had much fanfare ahead of the first test. I'm sure that all changed after an extraordinary first test match. Um, but before we sort of reflect on that, day number one's now on the book, 155 for two New Zealand. Sri Lanka, as always is the case of the Mason Reserve, winning the toss, deciding to bowl. But it sounds like they didn't enjoy a very strong Norwester, as New Zealand's posted a pretty decent total on that first day. Well, I'll tell you what, since 2012, there's been 50 first-class games played at the Basin. And out of all 50, the captains won the toss and had a bowl. <laughs> so... You know, I was speaking to Gary Stead and Tim Saudi prior to the toss, and um, we were talking selection tactics, because obviously um, they don't have a selector at the moment, so that was quite interesting. We were talking about the toss, and they said it's probably a good one to lose, because they were thinking of batting. Gary Stead actually wanted to have a bat, and the reason being is because the wind, and also, like, New Zealand have actually bowled pretty poorly in the last two tests when it has been green. Our teams have posted in excess of 400 and, uh, you know, over the 350 mark. So um, it was going to be interesting to see who won the toss and what they did. Um, but Chris Silverwood, after they won the toss and had a bowl, I said, oh, we were all sort of contemplating whether you have a bat or not. Dean Elgar did that in Christchurch last year, and uh, we all thought he had rocks for brains. And they won the test, batting first on a green one at Hagley. So... Um, Chris Silverwood sort of said, but you just can't, you know, it's green, it's bowler-friendly conditions, you win the toss, you have to have a bowl, and they did bowl, they were quite inconsistent with the line and length, they didn't get that full length, right. and it is a difficult length to hit, something that Bolts and Saudi do extremely well, they bowl the ball a little bit fuller, they give it a little bit of a swing, there's a of the, the green grass, and they get returns, but Sri Lanka were pretty poor, to be honest, and I think that that was due to not only the wind, um, but also maybe a little bit of tiredness from the last test because they, they did have to bowl a number of overs. Yeah, of course, back-to-back test matches for sure. And they had to go up against a, a hometown boy, knows conditions very well, and Devin Conway, who just looked a, a class above um, the guys he batted with and Latham and Williamson, and that's saying something. That, that was a pretty impressive knock by Conway, was it not? Yeah, I don't know if he's just in great nick um, or he manages to access length a lot better than the other players, but, you know, he just scored so freely compared to everyone else, and that's what you're alluding to. Like, Tom Latham never really got going, and Kane Williamson hasn't got going yet. You know, he played a nice shot down the ground, but other than that, it was just, it looked a little bit tough. Um, and Devin was, was really fluent. Anything on, you know, with a bit of width, he, he flashes at it. He's just worked out a game plan, and you know, interviewing him after the game, he, um, it's it's amazing to see. I would have been stoked with a Test 70. I don't even think they've scored 70 runs in my five tests. But, um, you know, he was uh, he was really disappointed. He was like, oh, you know, I said, you missed out on 100 there, didn't you? He's like, yep, I did all the hard work, got to the spinner, and that's the second time he's got out to, to spin, you know, caught and bowled. So, um, yeah, he's uh, he was disappointed. He's hungry for runs. He's driven. And, yeah, to, to score runs on a wicket like that just shows the class of the player. You're being harsh on yourself there, mate. You got eight more test runs than he did yesterday. Come on. Did I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I don't more. know my stats. 
Wow, did I get in the 80s? That's, incre- that's incredible. <laughs> 86. 86 glorious runs. Oh, wow. Actually, I, I look forward to wow. the midwinter special when we actually talk about all 86 of your runs in great detail. Um, who, who they're against, how, how they come about. Uh, brilliant stuff. Looking further afield, um, Dougie Bracewell back into the, the lineup. There was a lot of confusion as to where he was during the English season. New Zealand cricket didn't really clarify it particularly well. I thought at the time that there was a little note in um, the, the uh, press release when they announced the squad ahead of the Sri Lankan series saying he would have been selected but was carrying a mild groin injury, um, would have been used as an injury replacement. This is a, this is a pretty big few days ahead for Doug Bracewell, is it not? Yeah, I think the, the numbers are that it was six years and X amount of days, um, I think it's 200-odd days since his last test match. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big big uh, test for him. And also, we reckon conditions that would suit him um, on day one. So hopefully, you know, because he gets the ball full and he does seam it. Um, when I was in India for the one day, as he was over there. And he didn't get an opportunity. And I was quite surprised. They played Tickner, they played Duffy, and they left Dougie out. And I was like, you know, he's he's not a young buck anymore, Dougie. He's got experience. I thought, well, you know, like, he's come all that way. Why not play him? So it's great to see him get an opportunity. There's obviously been a huge change of guard for New Zealand. Jamison out, Bolt out, and Wagner out. There's a lot of, you know, test talent and, and wickets in those three. Um, so, yeah, he, he gets an opportunity. And Remember what he did in Hobart. New Zealand won the game. They obviously gave the man of the match to, to David Warner, um, but they, they beat Australia in a series uh, in Aussie. So And Dougie was an integral part of that. Probably should have got man of the match. So great to see him back, and, and hopefully you know he can use and draw on that experience that he's had over the years. We are talking cricket, swinging both ways, as we like to call it here on the Saturday session with the great man himself, Mr. Grant Elliott. Uh, I know your focus now is on this test match, but let's go back a few days. And I'm sure there was a bit of a hum around what the, the Spark Sport commentary box reflecting on that extraordinary test match that went literally down to the wire, the last ball. Um, you know, is there has there been a bit of a, a hangover in a good way after that test? Well, it's quite a somber sort of commentary box yesterday because they're probably used to the excitement and. I spoke to Craig McMillan about it because he was calling both those tests, you know, the Sri Lankan one and the, the England one. And uh, he said, you know, it's just emotionally draining as a commentator because you're living every ball, every moment. And I'm sure everyone was, you know, we had the, the big screen on at work and everyone was watching that. And um, what I found fascinating about those games, that both games should have probably been decided by a wide anyway. Um, and yeah. it would have been quite nice to see a tie against England again. Um, that would have been, uh, it would have been oh, a no. real talking point. <laughs> I know. I know. Imagine going into test super over. How good. Um, oh. I, obviously, I know there's no super overs because there'll be callers going, Grant doesn't know what he's talking about. But, um, yeah, that would have been quite ironic going into a tie. But, yeah, what, what a game. And Wagner, you know, producing that moment. And then Kane the other night. Uh, it just doesn't get closer than that. I mean, they say if the wicketkeeper had hit the, the stumps in the Sri Lankan game uh, and run Wagner out, he would have been out. So he was out by about two yards. And then the bowler picks the ball up and hits the stumps down the other side, and we're waiting to see if Kane's in or not. Um, and, I mean, it's it's amazing that two test matches come down to such a close margin. And, you know, anyone that says test cricket is, is dead, 
Well, you know, I grew up with Test cricket. I love Test cricket. Um, it's it's what I know. It's where my nostalgia and my memories lie. And um, yeah, I I just love. I, I'm very fortunate to be commentating it. And um, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we can grow on those two victories and and build more of a crowd, more of a following. There's kids that are watching. There's parents that are encouraging their kids to watch Test cricket because it's a it's a bloody great game. What can you say about Kane Williamson that hasn't been said already, um, Grant Elliott? What a phenomenal player, phenomenal player he is. I, I must admit, I thought it was utterly hilarious slash ridiculous. Um, quite a few people say worried about his form ahead of the English series. I'm like, hold on, he got a Test match double hundred three innings prior to that. People have very short memories. Uh, but is there a guy you... Can you think of a, a better man for the job than Kane Williamson in those pressure moments? You know, when I played with Kane and he played his first ODI in Bangladesh and he got a duck, I think he may have even got two ducks in his first two innings. And I said, oh, how are you feeling, mate? Are you all right? And he was like, yeah, I'm fine. He said, I know I'll score runs in the next innings. And he, said, he also said, he said, um, my runs don't define me. And I was like, wow. Like, and that was, wow. I think he, he, he was probably early 20s then, I think, maybe 20. And I was just like, wow, this guy's got a level head for such a young person. And the, the thing is, is when you're, when you're out of form or you're struggling for runs, if you ride those lows and then you ride the highs, you're going to struggle in test cricket because it, it makes it a long day. Whereas he is just so level. Whether he scores naught or whether he scores a double ton, He's not going to shout it from the rooftops, and he's not going to get too low when he doesn't score runs. So um, it doesn't surprise me that, you know, form for him is actually probably not something. It's, it, 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 it's, it's not a thing. And to the good players, it's not, because it's just a game of cricket. There's going to be highs, there's going to be lows. And when you are experiencing a purple patch, well, you just you know that they're going to cash in. And that's where Devin Conway, he was really gutted yesterday, you know. Got to 70, and he knew... He should have cashed in, and he didn't. Um, so, yeah, he, he's just a classy and world-class player, and uh, we're just very lucky to have him in, in this generation of players um, alongside guys like Bolt and Saudi. It's just amazing to watch them, and Latham. I'll put Latham in that, that bracket as well. Um, he's he's a, a fantastic player. couple more before I let you go. Um, 17 test matches. The guy has 1,300 Test runs, averages 59, has 500s. That's a world-class player, isn't it? Uh, should we be calling Daryl Mitchell that already? Well, he's in the top 10 uh, test players in the world now. I think he's gone to number eight uh, from from memory. And he's just he's dominated in all three formats. And it seems like whenever you need a, a, someone to come in at a crisis, he comes in and People are talking about him and the team as being so calm under pressure. And um, I was actually speaking to him two days ago. We were talking about clutch moments. We were doing a piece for this test match. And um, like trying to get into the mind of Daryl Mitchell, see if I could mentally disintegrate him. But um, he, was so, he was so level and just consistent. Um, and he just seems like he's in a good place and he's got really good balance in his life as well. And I think that that's, you know, a really important part of it is, is being an older player, I don't think you can get that level-headedness when you're really young. Like, Kane Williamson's probably an anomaly in that. 
I think it takes a lot of battle scars. And we were talking about, you know, clutch moments. And I said to him, I said, do you think you would have been able to produce that moment that you produced in, you know, the, the World Cup uh, T20? And he said, uh, if you were a bit younger, 10 years younger, and he said, no, I don't think so. And I feel the same about, you know, moments that I've had. If I was younger, I probably would have crumbled. So having that experience, having that age, and some people have said, oh, you know, there's no players under 30 in this test team, but that's probably a good thing. You need battle scars. But I think we do need to look at, well, who are the next players? And I think that that's what people are kind of, you know, a little bit worried about for the future of New Zealand cricketers, like those players at 25 to 28 or 23. Who are they? Where are they? Um, but Daryl Mitchell and these guys, they're going to lead, lead from the front and hopefully uh, depart all of the experience and knowledge down to these younger players to give them um, the experience they need to cope with the rigours of international cricket. All right. And finally, Grant, uh, looking ahead to the one-day series against Sri Lanka, what's the key storyline um, for New Zealand? It's an odd one. You've got a, a group of players heading off to India after the first game, uh, included Finn Allen, Finn Allen in that, who I think has the most gain. Uh, or as far as still looking to book a ticket for a World Cup. But what's the big storyline as far as you're concerned? Well, normally, you know, Sri Lanka come here and they struggle. I think that it's an opportunity to look towards the World Cup. With those players uh, departing to India, I think that you can play combinations. So not it's not a rotation time, but it's like play your next best and play those combinations. We did it in India already. So uh, the likes of Saudi, Williamson, Gary Stead were not there. Um, and there were new players that were played. There was Shipley, there was Tickner. Um, so I think it's an opportunity to play uh, some, some other combinations and look towards that World Cup of what does that squad look like? What is the 15 made up of? Um, it is going to be in India. So um, what a great opportunity. Three one days um, and then three T20s as well against Sri Lanka. So opportunity for players as well. Whenever that happens, you think, wow, especially with our batting lineup, it's pretty settled, um, except at the top, that opening combo. So if we can um, if we can find those players that are going to be consistent, but, you know, does it make a difference in New Zealand conditions? The best batting conditions in the world, uh, you still have to be able to, to cope with the spin and subcontinent conditions. So um, it will be interesting to watch, but I think, you know, New Zealand should take that one out. Grant, great to hear your voice, my friend. I'll let you go. I know you've got a busy day ahead. Uh, just make sure you get out to the middle of the base reserve, take a video for us. We miss you. We miss you. We want to see your face. Okay. It's, it's not, it's not well, good hearing any, just your voice. Is there anything in particular you want me to say when I'm out in the middle? Oh, you know, just one of those typical um, uh, pitch reports where former cricketers act as if they actually know anything. And they don't really. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, I do that anyway. So maybe just yeah. open my mouth and then... Then we should get what you want. How, how about I say something like, um, uh, you know, this pitch here, it doesn't look as dusty as those people waking up from St. Paddy's Day. <laughs> I like it, my friend. And maybe, just maybe, I'll see you next week or the week after or before yeah, or, May or June all the or week, July. Yeah, all the week after. Well, I do miss you guys and Ben Francis, you know, our fearless leader. Um, I miss the Saturday session. It was great to do it last week, and good to see you uh, in the, the driving seat this weekend. Thanks, mate. Have a great day. Cheers, brother. I don't believe a word of it, Grant. I don't believe a word of it. I don't.
I don't. But I'll take it, though. You've got to take love when you get it on the show, don't you, Ben Francis? Oh, exactly, especially from that man. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Grant Elliott, who we spoke with, just uh, before play started. Play has now started on day number two. New Zealand has added six runs so far this morning. 161 for the loss of two. Uh, Williamson's 32 not out, and uh, Henry Nichols is on 18. I don't need to relitigate it. We all know how important this innings is for Henry Nichols. We'll keep a particular eye on that. It is 23 minutes away from 11 o'clock. That was Swinging Both Ways, our Talking Cricket segment in association with PGG Rights and Turf, premium suppliers of turf seed and maintenance products to cricket grounds across New Zealand. Back after this break. What we wanted was Blues fans to talk smack about Crusaders fans and vice versa. What I mean by that, friendly fire. Keep it above the belts. I just want to know why you are utterly confident your side will win tonight's big Super Rugby game. If you're in Team Blues, highlight the virtues of your side and why you will beat the Crusaders. Crusaders, come at the Blues. Come strong. Send it to double eight, double three. One here from, as he hurriedly opens up the text machine, from Mark, who writes, and this is a pretty good uh, summation of uh, the relative strengths of the sides. Crusaders should win. Not overly confident is that, Ben Francis. That, that, that's a, I'm not sure if Mark is a Crusaders fan. If he is, that doesn't strike me as a confident Crusaders fan, right, uh, Ben Francis? But they say, should win. Or a ner- nervy one, considering they could yeah. potentially be one and three after tonight. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. The Crusaders should win. They have the better tight five forwards and the Blues better backline. Right, Mark. On paper, you would agree with that. I, I don't think um, there's much disagreement about that. There's some really big names in that Crusaders tight five. Ooh, that does smell like a, a nervy Crusaders fan. Thank you very much, Mark. Do appreciate it. Crusaders fans, Blues fans, I do want to hear from you. The other thing we wanted... Uh, you to participate in, uh, based on the uh, story during the week that uh, Auckland, all going well, will have uh, another a crack at professional football um, expansion team in Auckland on, across both A-leagues. And we wanted to know, just have a bit of fun, because we know there's so much water to go into the bridge about finding finances. But, you know, what we can shout out at potential uh, owners, including Ben Francis, who has confirmed if he wins Lotto, he will buy a stake in the club. He will buy a stake, and he will be a benevolent dictator as he is on the show. He's a fine leader. No <laughs> Here, we go. Here, Here we, we go. Here we go. Magnificent. Yeah. Well, also, um, I will be going for a personal loan to Ben Francis if he does win uh, Lotto as well. Uh, we want to know where they should play. Go on. There's so many good options in Auckland, isn't there, as far as high-quality sporting venues? He says with his tongue poking out of his cheek. We want to know where they should play. What's the name of the team? And what colours and strip design will you have for us? Double eight, double three. Let's go to the line. Carl writes, blue and white stripes for the shirt, blue shorts, blue and white hooped socks. I do love a hoop sock. Can you have horizontal stripes and hoops? One design? Well, maybe Carl's onto it. I know people don't like hoop stripes because they, they say it makes you look fatter, isn't it, as far as the shirt. That, that's, that's a fallacy. That's actually not true. It's the horizontal stripes that made you look podgier. Believe you me, when you've got hips like mine, you pay particular attention, stuff like that. I'm getting way off track. He calls his team Auckland Rovers. Uh, they will have to play at Mount Smart. 
I love that. There's no debate there with Carl. They have to play at Mount Smart. Ben Francis will be delighted at the prospect of having to travel to Mount Smart for multiple teams. Um, as it's the right shape, uh, Carl writes. It's the right shape. I don't like watching football on cricket ovals from Carl. Well, Carl, the good thing about Auckland, there is no cricket ovals, right? You don't have a, you don't have a viable cricketing venue, do you? Eden Park, certainly not an oval. And you're not playing at Eden Park number two, unless you can cram your block of, you know, fans in the service station across the road. So great shout. Um, and Carl also adds in, the away strip will be this, the same, but black and white. Ben Francis, fashion, uh, the fashionista, fashionista on the uh, Saturday session. You like that? You like that? I've, got, I've got a couple of suggestions myself. Ooh, ooh. We'll get to Richie, though. Richie writes on double eight, double three. Um, in this day and age, the name of the A-League team has to be the Tamaki Makoto Jaffers. <laughs> Thank you, Richie. Does that mean, Richie, your strip design will be based on, what, Auckland or the colour of Jaffers? Go on, Richie, and, and lie to me. Will, will it just be a white shirt with a big orange circle or something? They are orange, aren't they? I haven't had a Jaffer in ages. Long, long time. But thank you very much uh, for playing your part, Richie, Carl, Mark, I think it was. Um, we'll get to other messages as they uh, fire in. Uh, future owner of the uh, Auckland uh, A-League Club, Ben Francis. What, what do you like? Do you like Richie's suggestion on the name? The Jaffers. Mm. Well, that, that could work in well with my, uh, my uniform colour I was going to go for because I was going to go for an orange road cone colour. Ooh, and then, see where you're going with and that. then I, th- I think the away strip might you could you could <laughs> the broke <cones. laughs> And then for the away strip, you could get like a I might try to get like a car manufacturer on board, and that could be like the the main sponsor. And it would just we'll be get the, downer. We'll yeah. get downer to to join. And, and then and then the the away strip will just have like lots of different cars on it, and it'll be like a traffic jam. <laughs> Fulton Hogan. Yeah, exactly. Fulton Hogan. They'll be all over it. <laughs> They'd be all over it, wouldn't they? Fulton Hogan and the road cones. I like it. Keep the keep the suggestions coming through on double eight double three on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Uh, back after this uh, with the Ocho. Oh, don't tell me they have. Have they? Have they? Have they scored an injury time? Saudi Arabia FC. Have they? I think Newcastle United. Have beaten a Nottingham Forest with the last kick of the game in the English Premier League. You, you couldn't, you can't tell I'm a Liverpool fan. I'm, I'm worried about my side's top four um, playoff chances, uh, top four finish chances. Anyway, uh, let's get to the odd show. The bizarre and quirky sporting stories, the odd sporting stories that you absolutely need to know about. And I hope you um, have seen our last one. We'll get to that. Well, funnily enough, last. Uh, the great um, cycling uh, tours around the globe, without question, uh, Ben Francis, Tour de France. Giro d'Italia, and the Tour de Manure. Uh, well, the reigning champion, Stan de Wolf, should be winner as he crashed into a huge pile of manure during the last stage of the Grand Prix de Manure in France. I don't know how to say it. Come at me, French people. I'm sorry. Uh, it wasn't a small pile by the sorts. Um, uh, he crashed into a little manure mountain when he lost control uh, on a left-hand turn and uh, sailed off the cobblers and into the muck, a bit like, a bit like that scene of, and I'm showing my age here, Back to the Future, 
You know, the car gets covered in manure. It was very much like that. There you go. Excellent stuff. So the Tour de Manure, my new favourite cycling race. St. Louis Blues NHL goalkeeper Jordan Billington is an angry man. He was ejected for their match against the Minnesota Wild for throwing a punch. Yes, that's correct. Someone throws punches in hockey. I know it's stunning. Biddington received a match penalty for punching Wild player Ryan Hartman after Hartman, guess what, scored a goal against him. While the Wild um, players are celebrating wildly, you might say, Biddington uh, skated up to Hartman and hit his opponent in the face. Charming. The Wild goaltender Mark uh, Andre Fleury, in time-honoured fashion, the other goaltender, skated the length of the ice and tried to challenge him in a fight, but the officials got in the way. Brilliant. If you haven't seen the video, we highly recommend it. We also highly recommend you check out this video. Um, one of the funniest things you will ever see from an over-40s cricket match in India. Ben Francis will uh, post it on social media, I'm sure. It's magnificent. It will warm your heart. It will make your day. It will make your week. It will make your year. In the video, the fielder fails to take an easy catch as the ball then bounces right past him towards the ropes. Hope I'm painting the picture correctly here. He finally manages to catch up the, to the ball before it hits the boundary rope. And the, uh, As the opposition team is scoring runs... Uh, hilariously, the man falls on the grass and also manages to catch the ball. Um, he then throws the ball towards the other players, but surprisingly ends up hitting the ball with his own feet. Okay? Yes, it's madness. The ball goes then towards the boundary from which it's came. Um, having done so, the man just gives up and stays put on the ground. And we still think they're running. We, we, st we think they're up to 5,893 runs. We think. Discretion advised, our maths involved. That was the Ot Show, the bizarre, quirky, and odd sporting stories you need to know about. Check out our social media for that video. Thank you, everyone. Keep those messages rolling in. Double eight, double three. Really want to hear from you. Back after this break, the latest in sports headline. 11 a.m., hour number two of the broadcast. Last hour, if you were not with us, I'll forgive you just this once. Brian Talia joined the show for Swinging Both Ways, your cricketing segment with PGG Rights and Turf, Kiss Pies to New Zealand Cricket Grounds. Uh, we have got plenty still to come as we weave our way through the magical world of sport this weekend, and there's lots of high-caliber sport, uh, both at the top level and a few rungs down, uh, including under-20 rugby. Uh, we've got uh, quite an interesting um, series of games coming up over the next week or so. It's the uh, Super Rugby um, under-20 tournament, which is all being held at Owen Delaney Park, I, I do believe. And all five New Zealand franchises represented uh, with an under-20 team, of course. Uh, Moana Pacifica and uh, the Fiji Drua also have a team in this year, so that makes seven. There's also a New Zealand under-21 Barbarian squad, making it eight. Uh, we're going to catch up with uh, Matt Sexton, who is New Zealand Rugby High Performance Manager, in about 10, 15 minutes' time to explain um, how this tournament works, why it's so important... And um, perhaps, you know, more overarching um, development questions. The Under-20 World Cup um, arrives back on the scene as far as international rugby in 2023. It's had a long break. Last one was in 2019. It's an annual event. It has been an annual event, but due to COVID, uh, no tournament in 19, 20, 21, 22, right? Uh, so it's back on the calendar, middle of the year in South Africa. I think South Africa might be hosting the next couple, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so we're going to catch up with Matt Sexton to talk about that. Also, later this hour, uh, NRL fans, you will get your fix, and you'll get it in a very good way with a man who was a pretty fine darn player in his time. Uh, fine reader of the game these days in the realm of media. It is Mr. Brett Kamali who's going to join us at around about 11.30. Uh, we'll talk about the Dolphins. Uh, how can we not? Seriously? 
How long can the story last? Ben Francis? Let's go to our rugby league desk I, and I, Ben Francis. I've got a question to throw at you, Daniel. Okay. If I had told you a month ago that the Dolphins would be 3-0 and on top of the NRL ladder or the Crusaders would be struggling and potentially 1-3, and what would you have thought was most likely? The Crusaders struggling in Super Rugby? Because it's early season. The Dol- I didn't expect the Dolphins to be 3-0. and I, I, d- I didn't expect them to win their first game. I thought there's no chance against the Roosters. I, I didn't expect the Dolphins to be doing as well as they have. However, I kind of feel people fell into a similar trap that I did during the 2017 World Cup when Tonga did well. So heading into that World Cup, I didn't think Tonga was going to do that well because, to me, I know they had a good forward pack, but I thought their halves and their back line wasn't as strong. So I thought they're probably not going to be good as people mm. thought they would, but they proved me wrong and have it well. It definitely exceeded expectations. And the other thing as well, to me, it's a similar with the, with the Dolphins. Dolphins have an, an awesome forward pack, the back line not so good, but it's the forward pack which is getting all the go forward and the backs are reaping the rewards because of it. So I was kind of surprised that lots of people were riding the Dolphins off before a ball had even been kicked. But okay. you, know, you could think of Wayne Bennett, Christian Wolf, and the coaching staff there too. It, you know, it's a How, awesome... Can I... Can I ask you this? How jealous are you going to be when they win a grand final before your team? <laughs> Mate. Oh, that, that, is, that is the definition of below the belt right there. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, mate. I might be over might be overreacting to a 3-0 start. Brett Morley to join us a little bit later to add some sort of semblance of uh, sensibility. Unlike um, Hot Tape McCarty here. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to win the NRL this season. They'll just win it before the Warriors. That, that one definitely was below the belt. Uh, let's get to the headlines, shall we? Before Ben Francis walks out in anger. Uh, let's start off with football. Um, Saudi Arabia FC have beaten Nottingham Forest by two goals to one. That's Newcastle United. Yes, Newcastle United left it late. They trailed by one goal to nil after Emmanuel Dennis uh, scored in the first half to give uh, Nottingham Forest a lead. But then in the added time of the first half, Alexander Isaac scored for Newcastle to make a one-all. And then that guy again, this time in stoppage time of the second half. The 95th, 93rd minute via the penalty spot has given Newcastle a 2-1 win over Nottingham Forest. Meantime, also in the English Premier League, um, Crystal Palace have sacked manager Patrick Vieira after a 12-match winless run. They have not won in 2023 in the EPL. Uh, they are 12th on the table, though. They're still 12th on the table. How are they still 12th if they haven't won a game this year? Uh, but are only three points above the 18th place, uh, Bournemouth, who have a game in hand. Uh, and lastly with football, um, Chelsea will face holders Real Madrid in the Champions League quarterfinals. How's this? Talk about a one-half, strong half, weak half of the draws. Uh, Manchester City uh, will uh, take on Pep Guardiola's former side and six-time champions Bayern Munich, while uh, Inter Milan face Benfica. And Serie A champions AC Milan take on current runaway uh, Serie A leaders Napoli. Now, if Chelsea and Manchester City get through, they will meet in an all-Premier League semi-final. So Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Man City, and Chelsea are all on one side of the draw. Yep, you got it. AC Milan, Napoli, um, Inter Milan, Benfica. One of those teams will make it through to the Champions League final. Come on, Napoli. They've been awesome to watch this year. And to motorsport we go, and Toto Wolf has admitted that Lewis, Hamil- Lewis Hamilton might need 
to look at joining other teams in the future if Mercedes are unable to provide him with a winning car. Hamilton has won six of his seven drivers' titles since joining Mercedes in 2013. But the team set to be out of championship contention for a second successive campaign. There has been increasing speculation over the Brits' future. Toto Wolff quoted as saying, if he wants to win another championship, he needs to make sure he has the car. If we cannot demonstrate we are able to give him the car in the next couple of years, he needs to look everywhere. Wow, that's a rigging endorsement of their operation, isn't it, Ben Francis? Oh, I wish Grant We're Elliott. Going gray. Grant Elliott, wish he was here. He would love to have his input on this. The Formula One expert. Oh no. Do you know know last week, do you know what he said? Last week we had Aaron Noonan on the show who was our SCN Supercars commentator and he was pretty much trying trying to say, mate, I'm so jealous of you, I want your gig. He was trying to to shaft Aaron Noonan out before it even started. (laughs) Wow. Wow, like he was back for one show and already canvassing for another gig. Yep. Yeah, thanks, Grant. That's excellent. Right, I don't know if I should read this, but go on. It's fun. We want you to name Auckland's new uh, A-League franchise. Tell me the strip, where they should be playing. We're having a bit of fun with it. The ro- Is your team Ben Francis' future owner once he wins Lotto? Did you say they're going to be called the Road Cones? That's, that's, that's the name? Road Cone or FC. Just Road Cone oh, FC. No, I think Road Cone AFC, Associate Football Club. <laughs> Yeah, AFC. I do like the AFC. Um, someone writes, someone's in, in full agreement and adds into your suggestion on the Temper Bear Post exposition on double eight double three. Oh yeah, sponsorship provided by STMS with go on the front and stop on the back. You can also sell road cone beanies. It's a really good idea, isn't it, Ben? Are you writing these down? Yeah, I'm jotting them down as we speak. Yeah. Uh, also suggest scaffolding for grandstands. And pies in the food truck. Awesome. Uh, security staff will also have to have a ciggy at all times, I, I would have thought. You'd probably have to add that in. But thank you, unnamed texter. Great suggestion. Um, and then Brian writes, oh dear, we're going down a path here. Greetings, Daniel. I envision a blue and brown strip for Auckland soccer team and a striking cameo pattern. The blue representing the lovely ocean up there and the brown representing the poo that inhabits the ocean every time it rains up there. They shall be named the Auckland Hippos, as they also also defecate in their habitat. I know, I'm so childish, writes Brian. Well, Brian, the key to life is understanding your strengths and weaknesses. The Auckland Hippos. Mm, I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. Double eight, double three. Uh, we want to know name of the team, what the strip will be, where they should play. And I also want to hear from Crusaders and Blues fans. Uh, why are you so bullish on your team tonight? I want you to, to talk directly to the opposition with your messages on double eight double three. Why will the Crusaders beat the Blues? And conversely, why will the Blues at home be too strong for the Crusaders? Let us know on double eight double three. Temper bedpost text machine. Love getting your messages. Love having you play a part in the show. Still to come this hour later, Brett Kamali to talk the NRL, but we will be joined very shortly by New Zealand Rugby High Performance Development Manager, Mr. Matt Sexton, former Crusaders hooker. Oh, no doubt ask him about that game. Wonder if he'll, uh, wonder if he'll play politician. Or the cr- Crusaders blood in him will come out. But we're going to talk to him about the uh, under-20 uh, Super Rugby uh, Pacific Tournament that um, is going to roll on over the next week or so. Stay with us back after this break. 
14 minutes after 11 o'clock, our number is 0800 If you want to make a contribution, I do encourage it. You can also text us on the Temper Bear Post text machine on double eight double three. So much sport going on this weekend. If there's something you want to highlight, now is your chance. A couple of questions we have thrown your way. Blues Crusaders fans ahead of the repeat of the grand final, of course. Big Super Rugby game uh, later tonight. I want to hear from uh, respective camps as to why you're bullish on your side's chances. Now, I'll talk directly to the oppos- opposition. Talk some smack. Be confident. Be un-New Zealand-like. <laughs> Be bold. Uh, we also want to na- know the name of uh, the new Auckland-based A-League franchise. We want the name of the club, um, strip, colours, design, and where they should play. Let's have a little bit of fun. Sport is allowed to be fun. Uh, some people have gone full childish. Uh, not my words. I'm not bullying this week. Text for accused me of a couple of weeks ago. I'm not bullying. Uh, Brian's uh, own suggestion. He called himself childish. Um, the Ro- Auckland Roadcone AFC, Ben Francis, future owner of this uh, football club, by the way, he is guaranteed he will uh, invest heavily in the football club when he wins lotto. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's a big if, if he wins. It's going to happen. I'm going to will it. I want to see him part with cash. <laughs> after, after winning all that money. Seeing him flush it down the toilet. Uh, keep your uh, suggestions coming into double eight double three. Do appreciate it. Uh, let's update the Test Match cricket going on in the magnificent, the truly greatest uh, cricketing venue in all of the land. Both nations, uh, both islands, clearly. Lights or no lights. It's a wonderful venue. Uh, New Zealand made a very positive start, as he now uh, talks seriously. 155 for the loss of two at the start of play, which was about 46 minutes ago. Of course, lost time yesterday, uh, an earlier start today. And New Zealand have progressed through to 198 for the loss of two. Uh, Nichols is 32 not out. Uh, Williamson is 52 not out. Just played a glorious cover drive. Um, a, a magical cover drive uh, out of the fence for four. Uh, to bring up another half century. Uh, Sri Lanka would be sick of the sight of him. In 12 test matches, he's got over 1,100 runs, an average of 72 against Sri Lanka with 400s, including in the last test. His best is 242, not out. I think scored at that venue, uh, the Basin Reserve, uh, a few years ago. So New Zealand have started uh, very positively, uh, adding, what's that, 43 runs um, at almost a run a minute. So 198 for the loss of two, 57.4 overs have been bowled. Uh, they're playing under bright sunshine right now. Uh, the surface looks uh, still pretty green, but you know, pretty standard Wellington uh, wicket. Never plays um, as it um, appears. And with a, a strong northerly and the sun out, it should dry quite quickly. Good drying day, as we say in the capital city, especially with that uh, northerly breeze. And from what I've seen this morning, Sri Lankan attack looks a little bit leg-weary as Nickel now cuts the ball to backward point for four and moves to 36. That will bring up the 200 for New Zealand, 202 for the loss of two wickets. Uh, there is an update from the Basin Reserve in the second test between New Zealand and uh, Sri Lanka. Uh, our apologies, we can't get through to Matt Sexton uh, to discuss this under-20 tournament. Uh the gist, what I know of it, uh, all being played at one venue over about a week, really. Um, 
to hurriedly pulls this up. Yeah, Owen Delaney Park in uh, Taupo will host the third annual uh, Super Rugby Under-20 tournament. Slightly different format this year, uh, with two new teams have been uh, welcomed in, they being the Fiji and Drua and Moana Pacifica. So you've got seven teams out of uh, the Super Rugby franchise, including the five New Zealand-based ones. Uh, and you also add in a New Zealand Barbarians Under-21 team. And this tournament will see the best young players in New Zealand play each other, providing a, a development experience for players. And with um, Moana Pacifica and Fiji and Drua coming in, um, different styles of rugby than just the New Zealand, quote-unquote, system-based sides, you would say. Now, how they've structured this tournament, they've split them up into two pools. Um, Fiji and Drua and the Blues uh, feature in the first game tomorrow from 5 past 11. And then the Hurricanes take on Moana Pacifica uh, from 5 to 1. 2.45 we'll have the Crusaders up against the New Zealand Barbarians. And then the Highlanders and Chiefs will meet at 4.35. So all the games back-to-back, all the games are on Sky Sport. Pool 1 has the Blues, Crusaders, Drua and New Zealand Barbarians. Pool 2 has Chiefs, Highlanders, Hurricanes, Moana Pacifica. But essentially, you need to win your first match to determine where you go from there on in. For example, if you lose match number one, so the loser of the, the Drua Blues game will uh, meet the side that loses between the Crusaders and the Barbarians. Uh, the team also in their pool. They will then play midweek, the second group of games, uh, before you essentially have a, a, a rank-off tour. Rank off. What a terrible choice of words. A ranking system. A bit like a hockey tournament. You know, a lot of tournaments will finish at semi final stage, but they actually carry on. Uh, so you have a seventh and eighth playoff uh, next Saturday, fifth and sixth playoff, uh, third and fourth playoff, and then there's the Super Rugby uh, under 20 final. Uh, that is all to come from uh, Owen Delaney Park in Topol. Um, yeah, sorry, we can. Couldn't get through to Matt Sexton to explain um, this tournament, how central it is to their development, and what have they focused on without an uh, under-20 World Cup over the last uh, three years and with uh, one set to kick off later in the year. We can go back to your messages, though. Orange shirts, someone helping you out here, Ben Francis, for your uh, Rocones AFC uh, idea. Orange shirts could be... Red Bull Formula One supporters too. So maybe Red Bull could be, um, what, sleeve sponsor? Back of shorts sponsor? A, a bit like the Auckland Roads. I hope you clutter your shirts with lots of ads, Ben. I, I assume you will. I think it would be most apt. Well, well, we've got quite a few now. We've got we've got Fulton Hogan. We've got STMS. We've got Red Bull. I mean, I mean there's going to be a lot of money being invested into this club. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, and Cam Wright, morning, fellas. Going to uh, keep my eye patch on and so the, say the Crusaders are going to walk all over the Blues. Now, this is what I'm talking about, mate. This is what I'm talking about. Ben Francis, a confident fan. They're going to walk all over you, Blues fans. Walkity walk. After last week's hiccup, the mighty Crusaders will be more fired up than ever. And this game is won. It won't be close. Also, it's only the Blues. It's a quality message, isn't it, Ben? That's really entering the spirit of game day banter, of talking utter bollocks about your opposition, 
or talking up your own side's chances. Well done, Cam. Excellent. Uh, who will be the first Blues supporter to bounce back, to fire back, to bite back? Double eight, double three on the temper bedpost text machine. Uh, get amongst it. Do appreciate it. A little hiccup last week. Just a hiccup against the drawer. I heard James Marshall. I mentioned this to Smithy on the on the panel, and, and maybe we need to go back and, and check the tape. But I find this um, quite a hilarious excuse. I think it was James Marshall, the assistant coach of the Crusaders. Ben Francis blamed sweaty, sweaty balls, essentially. Sweaty balls? He blamed sweaty balls. Oh, my God. The reason they, they kind of lost. There was too much sweat on the ball. And that's why they dropped the ball a lot. Not their own incompetence on their day. Not their own lack of skills on the day, but sweaty balls. I'm yeah. speechless. Too much sweat on the balls. The rugby balls. Rugby ball. I should have said ball. Too much sweat on the ball. I probably led you down a different part by adding in that extra S. Take the, okay, take the S out. Stop having an awkward conversation with the child in the car right now. <laughs> sweaty ball. There's too much sweat on the ball. Singular, one ball. Do they not? Even do though they... they do have... Even though they use more than one ball in a game, there are balls. Don't they have the people on the sideline that wipe it as well with a towel? Exactly. exactly. But there was too much sweat. Don't have too much sweat on your ball. We don't don't like sweat. We don't like sweat. That has to be probably one of the greatest excuses (laughs) I've ever heard in my life. It's right up there. It is also my non-nomination for our Midas... Agritize Workhorse of the Week. That's called a segue, people. Yes, I, I'm afraid. To, I think I think it was. I think it was, James Marshall. If it wasn't, I really am sorry to him. But it was definitely someone from the Crusaders. You see, there was too much sweat on the ball. And that's why they dropped a lot of ball against the draw last week. So you are my non-nomination for our Midas Agritize Workhorse of the Week. Midas Agritize, the choice of leading manufacturers. Now, if you want to... Um, Get in your nomination for an actual workhorse who can deal with sweat on all surfaces. Uh, double eight, double three. Do let us know. Uh, your workhorse of the week, Ben Francis, feverishly figure out who he's going to go to. I love that time when I mentioned the segment and Ben's like, oh, that's right. I've got to, got, got to come up one myself. I do have one. Or is it two? Or is it more than two? Well, you're just going to have to wait and see a little bit later in the show. I might have sacrificed workhorse of the week. Which athlete, team, coach, anything to do with sport has inspired you for their effort, the work, the blood, sweat, and tears that they have put in uh, during the week that has left you mightily impressed? I uh, get your suggestions through on double eight double three. We will take a short break. It's 25 minutes after 11 o'clock. Uh, we will move on. We'll stay on the oval ball. But move to the NRL where no one complains about sweat, do they, Ben Francis? It's the NRL. Brett Kamali's not too far away. Stay with us. Back to talk uh, some NRL after this break. You'll have to suffice with just Daniel McCarty today. Grant Elliott is swanning around the Basin Reserve calling cricket for Spark Sports. Speaking of the cricket, New Zealand are 208 for the loss of two. Uh, starting uh, day number two, 155 for the loss of two. Williamson through to 56, not out. Uh, Henry Nichols is on 38. So New Zealand under a bright sunshine. Um, 
starting very positively. We'll continue to update the score from the Basin Reserve. Right now, though, we're going to turn our attention to the NRL. What a wonderful couple of storylines we've had. Um, none more so than the Dolphins. We'll get to them in just a moment. Um, but we'll look at uh, you know some of the key storylines through the what, first two-plus uh, rounds, and we're delighted to welcome an absolute uh, star in his playing days. Uh, fine uh, uh, minds to cover all things the NRL. We're delighted to welcome back to the show Brett Morley. Brett, thanks so much for dropping by on a Saturday. How's your Saturday morning going? No, I'm good, thank you, Daniel. How are you, buddy? I've just actually yeah. arrived at Camden, uh, uh, Kirkham Oval, Camden, actually, for an under-18s match for the West Tigers versus Canterbury. So, beautiful sunny day. It's going to be a 1,000 degrees uh, in Sydney today. So, um, good that football's happening all, all across. And tomorrow, I think it's meant to be hotter. So, good luck to those NRL people. Well, yeah, good luck. Indeed. The perfect little segue for us to ask you about hot conditions. We were just having a little laugh at the expense of uh, an assistant coach of the Crusaders rugby franchise who during the week on the station uh, described that there was too much sweat on the ball when they played against F- the Fijian Drua. Did, did, did you ever encounter issues with that? Can sweat actually ruin a game as as was claimed? We thought it was kind of a funny excuse. Well, I didn't know rugby could get that hot, to be honest. I thought they were just a bit of a slow <laughs> rugby mall. <laughs> um, no, I, I think last night you probably saw a bit of that in the 6 o'clock game. I called the 6 o'clock game for SEN here in, in New South Wales. And it was certainly hot in here, but it seems like there was a bit of drop ball because of um, because of the temperature. But um, we had on Thursday night Mark Carroll, who's obviously the king of Brookvale Oval, former manly legend. He was actually... He got down to his undies in the commentary box because there was no air conditioning in the commentary box at Brookvale. So... Um, I don't know if there was sweat involved, but um, <laughs> but the big man was battling away in the heat uh, in the comedy rock. So not only is it hard on the field, sometimes it's hard off the field. Oh, what about the other commentators, mate? How distracting would that have been? To, and, and, and were they coming off with the items of clothing coming off like slowly in like every ten minute blocks, or did he just like right? I'm losing everything in one go. Well, Timmy Manor was with us last night, uh, who was who was his co-commentator, and he was a bit. He was actually pretty scarred. He said he had a big day off in counselling. <laughs> he was trying to get all the all memories of um of of his uh, what happened before that out of his out of his uh, memory bank. So yeah, so Timmy Timmy was disturbed. Uh, Timmy Smith and I called it last night, but uh, yeah, Jolly Kane and Mark Carroll and Timmy Manor called the uh, the Manly Parramatta game on Thursday night. So yeah, great call it was for the men, but you're right, it would be very scarring memory. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, speaking of the Seagulls, uh, Eels, really entertaining game. You know, 64 points, 34 points to 34. Uh, the Eagles, who um, have started very positively. Well, you know, overall, not just that game, but through the first couple of weeks, what stood out as far as their 2-2 two two start? Oh, mate, I think Swift has been outstanding from 5-8. Obviously, in attack, he's going to be so lethal at left edge. For Manly, it certainly looks like a left edge he used to play for South Sydney. You know, obviously the shapes and the styles and Anthony Seabold being a, um, a former South Sydney coach now. Obviously, he's the Manly head coach. Uh, they look fit, Manly. Ola Kawatu, I actually Googled him on Thursday night to see where he was from. Uh, he's a, he's a, he was actually a Parramatta junior, so he's born and raised in Guildford. So it makes him eligible for New South Wales because he's going to be a freak of a back row. He's just a big athletic and made some massive tackles on Thursday night. And, if Tom plays for Manly, the, the, the stats show. If Tom plays for Manly, Manly are probably a you know a, a greater chance of winning, and there's about a points difference of 12 to 16 points for and against when Tom plays for for him in, in what they score and what they can what they don't give away as well. So yeah, Tom stays fit, they make the eight, um, and they've had a great start to the season as well. 
if you want to tune in and, and watch the side everywhere, the Eels might be a good shout because they score points, but boy, they leak a few, don't they? They're playing touch footy to yeah. start the year. Yeah, they've, they've certainly they've been building for years and years and years about trying to you know got the grand final, got beat. This year's team's not as good as last year's team. They're rebuilding, but they're, they're really battling as you said. They leak a lot of points, and traditionally they always have weak points on the edge. They're never very not one of the better edge defensive teams in the competition. New combination. I've got to say that the Mitchell Moses um, not signing a contract yet, either for Parramatta or to leave Parramatta, has to be a huge distraction for the football club. They're none mm. from three. They're under enormous pressure. Not you can ride the year off yet, but they're a chance of going none from five, none from six to start the competition. Um, and and then all of a sudden you go, well, semi-finals around the race by round 10 this year because it's this competition this year is the best I've seen for a long, long time uh, in the NRL. It's super close. Um, and, and obviously then if you start really, really bad, then um, if, you, sorry, if you start really, really bad, then obviously you're going to struggle to... Um, to reel in multiple wins back-to-back because of the closeness of the comp. Yeah, you're not going to get on five or six-game win streaks all that often. You're going to come up against a side who who, who even might be out of form is going to t- has um, enough to turn you over on any day. That's right, yeah. I think, I think we've been asking for this closeness of the competitions. The Dolphins have created this in some regards because there's 17 teams down there in a row, so um, they've had the get 25 or 30 players from all the clubs that are currently here. The good clubs over the last few years have been, well, Melbourne and Penrith have been the best clubs or the best systems for the last 10 years, and the Dolphins have picked the eyes out of those two football sides. Parramatta lost a few players from the grand final. Um, Roosters didn't lose many days for that. There's South Foster here as well, so it's spread all the talent. So such a good competition that, um, that there's not top sides and bottom sides, and it's a pretty, a pretty even competition. Let's talk about one of the big stories, uh, if not the biggest, the Dolphins. The new boys on the block scoring a 36 points to 20 win over the Knights. And right now they are top of the table, leading, leading the league. What a start. What a story, Brett. Yeah, great story. Yeah, you know, Wayne Bennett, obviously they go out and employ the best coach in the, in the competition. Wayne's from Brisbane. He knows how to, how, to, how to win, how to create it. As I said, they picked, the, they picked players from good systems. So that was a great recruitment uh, philosophy. They missed out on a marquee, but they're going to be Reasonably good. Sean O'Sullivan looks like he's about a hundred. He looks like he's about a three hundred game first grader, even though he's only young in experience levels for the NRL, NRL. So he's doing a good job there, and they'll get better. Obviously, they're leading the, the, the ladder at the moment. The Broncos play uh, today. I think they have a chance to be equal at the top of the ladder. Next week we've got a local derby at Suncorp Stadium between the Broncos and the Dolphins, which will be a sellout, which will create another interesting storyline for the NRL. It's a local a, a rivalry around a local derby. Um, and it's good that if we keep talking about expanding, then the expanding teams need to be successful from the start. And obviously the Dolphins doing that is um, is good for moving forward to potentially another team coming out of New Zealand. Brick Morley is with us as we talk the NRL. You've painted a nice picture of how they've pieced this together, the Dolphins. Um, but how are they doing it on the field? And I guess what I'm asking here is, can they maintain it? Are, are we seeing the birth of something special? Oh, I'm not sure about something special. They've obviously got quality players. They've got, you know, the, the two provinces, Felice Kifusi, um, Gilbert coming out of the Cowboys system. So they're, they're, they're sort of, they're, they're very tough, good senior players. They would know how to compete. Wayne's a very um, disciplined coach. So, you know, even hear him talking about Felice Kifusi's three errors last night, more than the 10 minutes in the bin. So he knows what hurts you on a football field. And so discipline's a big part of his coaching. Fitness is a big part of coaching. Making sure they're happy off the field is probably one of Wayne's greatest strengths as well. So I'm not sure if you can say something special. 
the thing about the Dolphins is a couple of injuries will really, really hurt them because that's going to be their biggest problem at the moment. But um, while they are able to go three for three and compete, and as I said, like it was amazing round one when they launched at Suncorp Stadium. They played at their own stadium at the Redcliffe week two. They travel away week three and they return home for Blockbuster next weekend. So it's great at the moment. It will be great. And obviously having six points on the board very, very early will, will certainly help you be in that race for the top eight, which is going to be really close at the end of the year. Well, Britt, you've got a, a great understanding of a startup footy club and how you can maintain that. Of, of course, your time with the Storm, you guys came roaring out of the gate. I think you won 17 games in your first season, championship in, in the second season. Did you see any similarities? Or, did, in fact, you see like, hey, back in those days, we had X that you just can't recreate in today's day and age. No, I think they. I think we built the club successfully and correct from the start. You know, John Rebo was the... Come from the Brisbane Broncos, who'd come in in 1988 and was super successful. Glenn Lazarus was a captain of the of AR Football Club, who had won two premierships at two other clubs and become the first player in the game to win three premierships at three different clubs. So, uh, get that correct. Chris Anderson had won the competition a few years earlier the, in Australia and he'd won a Super League competition as well. So, you put those three things into place, and we were probably a mixture of very similar to what the Dolphins have got this year. So, we had a lot of good senior players that come out of probably the Western Reds, and then we had, a, you know, I was. I'd played 12 games or 10 games of football in the NRL before I'd gone to Melbourne. So probably got the same similar traits. You've got a big sprinkling of young kids on the way up and they've got a great sprinkling of senior players to manage the team and look after it. And then in 99, we go out and we invest in Stephen Kearney to come across from the Warriors as well, which is a, um, you know, which is then a masterstroke to, to have him be a part of the premiership. Yeah, very similar um, style, or not style, very similar in, in what has happened between the Melbourne Storm in 1988, to, 1998, sorry, to what the Dolphins are doing in this current climate. Yeah, come on, Brett, don't age yourself 10 years, mate. Come on, come on. You're, no, you're still fighting for That's what I, That was the Broncos <laughs> in 88, and I talk about when the Knights come into competition as a young kid yeah. in Newcastle when I was 12 years of age. It was the biggest thing that happened to my life to want to play rugby league. So hopefully that's yeah. what's happening um, with all those people in that Redcliffe area that they've got a team in their own backyard now. Yeah, see, that's so important. I think a lot of organisations, you know, lose sight of, you know, stars in front of you, a chance to get down to a ground to actually see can make such an impression. Um, let's get to the games tonight. Uh, the New Zealand fans right now will want to know your thoughts on the Cowboys um, and the Warriors. Uh, 7.30 tonight, our time. Uh, the Warriors, one-on-one, um, showed a lot of fight, ticker in, in defensively. Um, the attacking game... It's has it's looked a little bit blunted, fair to say, through the first fortnight. Would that be fair? But I think they're getting new combinations. It's, I think what the Warriors are doing is playing a totally different style that they've played the last few years. Because you know Webster's come out of the, the Penrith system. I watched them play the first week. I described them, which is the Penrith Warriors, um, and, and they'll eventually get to that. That's the that's the key style of football you need to play in the NRL. The Warriors and now have got a taste of it through their own coach and Andrew Webster. Um, he'll he'll bring that to. To them, it'll take time. Uh, he'll then buy and recruit players that can do it and, and play that style of football. So, you know, I'll give you, I'll give the Warriors a wrap. They look fitter in the trials. They look fitter around one and two than they've done in a number of years. So, uh, I think they're actually on the way up. I think it's been a good signing um, on the decisions they made off the field. Um, you can't just be successful straight away in the NRL, um, especially. Um, yeah. You know, I think the Warriors have come from a. A low point. They haven't made the semi-finals for a number of years, so they're not one of those top eight sides that you just got to add one or two players or a, or a coach that can put the class on it. So uh, they want. I think they would want to make the eight the next few years, and then on the back of that, who do they need to recruit and how do you become a premiership contender? Uh, but I think they're in the right direction.
Just a couple more. How good are the Cowboys? Yeah, they'll go great. They'll go great. Again, super fit, well drilled. Got a genuine number seven um, that just steers them around. Great young players. You know, you talk about what happened in Melbourne in nine and. Ninety-eight. You talk about the Dolphins now. Well, the, the the Cowboys have got some class around the park, and they've got some players super fit. Um, I remember when last year, I think it was when Todd Payton picked the fight with Jason Tamalolo, and people were like, "Oh, you can't do that." Well, Jason Tamalolo is actually doing all those one percenters, looks super fit, training really hard. So, when the best player in your club is actually buying into what you're saying, it makes everything else you want to do really easy. So, I like the Cowboys, and I think they're. Um, I thought they underachieved in the semi-finals last year um, for how well they played during the year. So, look for them to have the back of the year. And lastly, if there's one other game we need to watch uh, or listen to, is it Broncos-Dragons? Is it that simple? Oh, jeez, I don't know what the Dragons are going to create. I, I, you know, let's watch the Broncos because they look like they're the, they've turned the whole defensive focus or systems around. And so they've showed some great resilience. Let's hope we get the Broncos going extremely well. Two years ago, the Broncos were the wooden spoon. So that's a big turnaround for the fact that now we could be talking about them leading the competition after three weeks of 2023. Brilliant stuff, Brett. Thanks so much. I know you're a busy boy. Keep uh, keep hydrated in the heat. Hate for sweat to get Thank on your you, microphone sir. or something. <laughs> Thanks, Cheers, mate. Take it easy. I don't want to drop the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Freak joining us there. Uh, he knows one or two things about the NRL. That is for sure. We really appreciate his knowledge and time here on uh, SENZ, part of the SEN family in Australia. Interesting to hear the comparisons between the Storm of 98 and uh, the Dolphins of uh, 2023. Now, now that's no guarantee you're going to see a repeat. In fact, I I don't think you're ever going to see a repeat of a start-up club coming out and winning 16, 17 games year one, 16. Actually won more games in their first year than the second year in in the regular season and then won the premiership, of course, in year number two. It really was extraordinary. Ben Francis, let's go to the number one New Zealand, one New Zealand... The number one, one New Zealand Warriors fan. That's quite a mouthful now, isn't it? Just a the number little bit. one, one New Zealand Warriors fan at SCNZ. And the Saturday session is Ben Francis. Well, I hope my opinion is what? somewhat credible. So you could just say me like, you know, credible one New Zealand Warriors observer. What's, what, what's the pulse? The pulse feeling? Is it raised? Nah. Um, mate. No, and they'll get the job done tonight. No, look, the heat. We're, we're a lot good. of sweat on the ball, won't there? There'll be lots of sweat. <laughs> yeah, let, let's, hope they, let's hope they don't drop the ball a bit too much because of all the sweat, eh? But no, look, uh, a bit like what uh, Brett touched on there is, you know, there's been lots of combination building uh, in the last, well, since the season started. I thought round one, all the new signings were really impressive. Uh, some of them struggled a bit in that second game against the Roosters, but look, the Warriors stayed in the fight and that was the most important thing. So I think just from a perspective, as long as they are staying in the fight, of course you want them to win. But if you're seeing the effort, you can kind of, you, you feel a bit better about things. Uh, and like I said, I've said this before, I haven't really seen that since Todd Payton, funnily enough, was at the Warriors, have not seen that kind of fight. So look, it's, it's been really impressive. Uh, and uh, they got the young fullback starting today because uh, Charles Nicol Klugstad, is out with the head knock. His name just eludes me off the top of my head. Uh, but really excited to see him go because he looked really good in the in the preseason game. Uh, we've got it here. It is uh, Tane uh, Tuapiki. So look, I'm really excited to see him have a run uh, at fullback. Okay. What attributes do you like about him? Running fullback, 
Yeah, he, he, he looks, he looks, good, with the, looks good, with the, good with ball in hand. So I don't know his his attributes on defense, which uh, which will might miss because of Chancey or Klugstad. And it's always going to be hard playing your first game, especially up in a place where most teams usually do struggle because of the heat and the slippery ball. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, the, the, the Warriors are getting better. You know, like Tohu has been fantastic. Wade Egan, uh, I I really feel like that a guy like Wade Egan. It's not going to be until he leaves where Warriors fans actually seem to really appreciate him because it seems like everyone in the NRL rates Wade Egan except Warriors fans, <laughs> which is absolutely hilarious. And I don't think we are going to truly appreciate what he actually brought to the club until he's not there. Uh, he, he's been fantastic last couple of years, and he's been one of their best starters to this year. And he's, I think, second on uh, the the Big Ben medal race, which I, I do player ratings on Extra time on Mondays at eight o'clock. Oh yes, you do. So he's currently second in the in the Big Ben Medal race. Where's Tohu Harris? Oh, he's number one, mate. He's got two nines. To start yeah, of the course. Season. Yes. I would I would like to know if anyone did um, you know follow my suggestion of creating a highlight package of all fifty. I think it was fifty one tackles in week number one. Fifty one tackles uh, at Sky Stadium. I don't think anyone did. I was very disappointed to see he only made sixty tackles last week. Was it? Because he's made one hundred and eleven tackles. By my man, I think it was fifty one. Actually, let's just worry about this number. 111 tackles already in two games. Some of the Crusaders are made this year, isn't it? <laughs> See, the Blues fans are leaking out. <laughs> Look, you're entering the spirit too. Blues fans coming out. 111 tackles at 97.4 tackle efficiency. Man. Like, God, you'd love a player like that in your team, wouldn't you? Look next year. Oh, he's there. I I would describe I feel, it. I feel good. I would describe it as very Michael Luck esque. Mm, yeah, yeah. Long may it continue. Long may his health remain the same. Hope he stays fit for sure. Uh, we will take a short break. Back with some of your text messages. Twelve away from twelve. Probably trying to overplay a bit too much, and although it felt because it was sunny day, it felt like it was a good day to play it was incredibly slippery with the um, sweat from everyone so we were just dropping so much pill and we couldn't really get any phases going right I, I hate taking people out of context Ben Francis and he's kind of blaming sweat isn't he he's blaming sweat he is then getting on the ball and then not holding on to possession yeah it's the sweaty balls it is the sweaty balls yeah yeah, I'm a child, and what? But it's kind of a weak excuse because, you know, the, the team that you're playing against also has to deal with all the sweat. What, one thing's for certain, and I have a lot of faith in the Crusaders, um, they are going to hold on to the ball a lot better tonight. Uh, James Marshall also went on and said they only um, had more than four phases, maybe four or five times during the whole game. Seriously, Blues fans, do you honestly think they're going to repeat that? I, I don't. And Blues fans, I, I, I don't think you were all that impressive against the Canes. You punished the Canes when Isaiah Walker-Lewery was off the field. Scored three points in the second half. Th- this game is really tight. This game's really tight. I think I said on Smithy's show, a little bit unconvincing in my prediction, mainly to go against um, what the other panellists uh, went with going with the Blues. I, I put the Crusaders... For theatre, I'm not convinced either way. 
And that's why I want to hear from both teams and their fan bases as to why you are confident uh, your team will win. Guys, this World Cup blues backline and and also has the best captain in New Zealand. Papa Lee will send the Crusaders hopefuls packing. Mwanga will be hunted down and destroyed. Blues by 20. Thank you, Ken. Lovely words, Ken. Dalton Papali. Apparently he's won the most tackles in Super Rugby this year, according to Super Rugby's stats chart. What's a one? Tackles one? What on earth does that mean, Ben Francis? Tackles one? Rugby, I'll say it for the 20th year on the road. Sort your expletive out when it comes to stats. And providing us fans, you know, little fodder. Tackles one? Now Saturday afternoon, it's bang on 12 o'clock. Happy afternoon, everyone. You're late to the party. Where have you been? Hour number three, the final hour of this fine broadcast, the Saturday session with Daniel McCarty and Ben Francis. Grant Elliott not here. He's commentating Test Match Cricket at the Basin Reserve. We did hear his wonderful voice. We reconnected as a brotherhood, didn't we, today, Ben Francis? Part of our Talking Cricket segment, uh, Swinging Both Ways with PGG Wrights and Turf. Speaking of Test Match Cricket, let's update... Things from the Basin Reserve, uh, all part of our sporting headlines at the top of the hour. We uh, update the very latest in sports news. Henry Nichols has a test match half century. Well done, him. Man under enormous pressure has just played a rather interesting looking stroke. A ball shortened towards the rib cage and has gone back and headed over backward of point into a gap to move to 52 of 79 balls. He's 52, not out. Where did that come from? The, and what did it mean? The, the world is in shock hitting Henry Nicholas Scott 50. Oh, you're mean. <laughs> you're mean. Do you like it when people's careers come to an end? No comment, mate. You, you, wouldn't, be al- <laughs> you wouldn't be alone, Ben Francis. There's a lot of people out there. You know, drop him. Drop him. Who, who would you put instead? I don't care. Drop him. Glenn Phillips. Yeah. At least you have an answer. Thank you. And, and that's it's a pretty good shout. It's Phillips or Young, for me, one of those two. Um, but, yeah, he's been given a long leash, uh, Henry Nichols, and um, against a tired-looking attack, you know, not, and I say this, and this, sound, this will sound mean, not every test run is equal. You know, when you score a big 150 to save your career, oh, no, it wasn't a big 150, 100 at the basin last time. The context was he's dropped five times. Um, then he's had a lead in 12 months, and now he's making a tired-looking Sri Lankan attack pay. I'll get excited about this innings because I think it's set up for three figures. New Zealand are motoring along. 249 for the loss of two. They started the day at 10.30, an hour and a half ago, 155 for the loss of two. They've almost added uh, 100 runs already. 249 for the loss of two. Nichols, 52 not out. He was dropped, remember. Very sharp chance, very early in his innings by the keeper. I think he was cussing and it went very low into the left and almost uh, into the gloves. Uh, but credit him, he's uh, found his way through a tough period and now is uh, stunned to uh, play all around the wicket. Four fours in that. He's 52 not out. Uh, the guy alongside him uh, goes all right, doesn't he, Kane Williamson? Kane Williamson is 
79 not outs. 249 for the loss of two. 65.5 overs bowled. Run rate 3.8. So New Zealand are going at a, uh, a very good pace. These are wide for a bouncer. That's ironic. Don't you think, Ben Francis, they've just um, called Lahiru for a wide from a bouncer, just as long as it's not the last over of a test match. So there is the very latest from the uh, test match. New Zealand 250 for the loss of two. To the NRL, and the Sydney Roosters have avenged last year's bitter finals exit to the Rabbitohs by claiming a 20 points to 18 win over their arch rivals. In Friday night's earlier match, the Dolphins stayed undefeated in their debut NRL season with a 36 points to 20 win over the Knights in Newcastle, thanks to a hat-trick of tries uh, to Tessie Nui. The New Zealand Warriors are in action against the North Queensland Cowboys at 7.30. Full coverage right here, Ben Francis, on SCNZ. I should probably have checked that a little bit earlier. I've got the two thumbs up. Live, uninterrupted, magnificent call coming to you from Townsville as the Cowboys up against the Warriors. And lastly, Sydney Man has served 40 straight hours to break the world record and raise funds for mental health. Former pro surfer Blake Johnston said he felt pretty cooked after surfing about 525 waves over 30 hours and 11 minutes but managed to jump back in. He was... Looked over by paramedics before being transported to hospital for observation. By the end of his surf, Johnson had clocked more than 700 waves and 40 hours. I'm tired. My legs have just got very heavy just reading that story. It's incredible. Uh, well done to Blake Johnson. There you have it, the very latest in sports headlines to five minutes after 12 o'clock. What's coming up this hour? David Doan from the Wellington Phoenix, the general manager. Talk about a pretty ugly night uh, for their Men's side, five goals to one, they went down in Adelaide. But we'll talk about a very big week for New Zealand football with uh, news that Auckland could, and I will say could, get an A-League franchise, provided they find some money. Uh, what impact, if any, does this have on the Wellington Phoenix? Um, and how are they placed to carry on a, a pretty decent season this year? Of course, a um, number of players off the book, some including Ollie Sale, um, Clayton Lewis, are heading away. Uh, what about their coach, Ufuktele? Um, lots of uh, questions we can put to David Dome. Uh, that interview a little bit later. Uh, let's get to some of your messages. I heard the new Wowos fullback came from the Cowboys system. Uh, writes Mark. Burley Bears, the New Zealand, the number one, one New Zealand Warriors fan. Ben Francis done the research. Burley Bears is where the new Warriors fullback came from, which are more affiliated with the Titans, historically, aren't they, than the Cowboys. So the Burley Bears. Player of the year. Is that right, Ben? I think he was the Queensland Cup Rookie of the Year. So the, he was nice. the uh, the recipient of the Petro Cinema Receiver Medal. Oh, oh, what a man he was. Richie. The lovely pithy message, this one. Surely, these days, rugby players would be used to playing with sweaty balls. It is diversity inclusive. Hey, see what you did there. Uh, hello, Daniel. Regarding my mighty Crusaders versus some townie team up north, we will be fine. Sam Whitelock doesn't lose at Eden Park. Mikey G. And I do love this from Mikey G. Brackets, no research has gone into this obvious statement. Ha, 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 ha. 
Yeah, I, I'll go with it. Let, let's start. Let's start this lie. We don't know if it's Sam Whitelock has never lost at Eden Park. Ben Francis, he can't lose. Another reason the Crusaders win. We want finding talk from Blues and Crusaders fans. Mikey's uh, return serve from the south. Just some townie team up north. Cam writes, whoever the person was that was in charge of signing Mitch Barnett deserves the New Zealand Order of Merit. The man is the future of this team. Leads up front, shows an exceptional amount of ticker, which we have not seen for a few years at the Warriors. What, 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 why not a knighthood? Dish them out in the realm of sport. He'll get. He will join. He will join Ian Foster in getting one, no doubt, later this year. Who called? Who called <laughs> it, mate? Who called that first? Who called that first? McCarty did. McCarty did. Sir Ian Foster. Ha <laughs> ha! If he wins this World Cup, I can't wait to the anti-Foster Brigade to get their heads around that. Well, the last two got knighthoods. You have to give him one too, won't you? Heads, that's heads exploding across New Zealand. <laughs> could happen. Because, like, the All Blacks could win the World Cup. Do I, do I think they will? I don't think they're favourites. They're probably third, fourth. But they could. Like, everyone beat everyone last year. Except for France. But France got beaten by Ireland to start this year. Do you, Hand up, Ben France. Do you know what I'm expecting tomorrow? If the, if the Blues do beat the Crusaders tomorrow and the Crusaders drop to one and three, I'm expecting like lots of, a few oh, Ian yeah, Foster yeah. fans to start coming out and going like, yeah. oh, he doesn't deserve yeah. this. Razor shouldn't be the All Blacks coach. He's not good enough. Oh, yeah, yeah. All this other... Yeah, tw- it, yeah and people are going to use four... Ga- what, how many games? Are? Four games? Maybe four games into the season? A four-game sample as a reason why someone shouldn't be an, all- an international coach. After having won how many titles in the years before? That would be, let me think of a word, moronic. For a four-game sample. No, can't do it based on this. Can't. They will. They'll come out. Kanu. All right. Hello, Daniel. Regarding the under-20s rugby, I noticed the Six Nations have under-20 games. Going at the moment, we got a long ways to go. Cheers. Yeah. And that's where I was really interested uh, to speak to Max Sexton. Shame he didn't answer his phone. Um would have been fascinating to see what they've been doing since the last Under-20 World Cup in 2019 where we finished seventh and looked well off the pace. And we want your nominations for the Midas Agritise Workhorse of the Week. Who has starred? Who has been scintillating? Who is your Midas Agritise Workhorse of the Week? Thanks to Midas Agritise. European quality. Made affordable. Uh, Dave, Workhorse of the Week, Zoe Hobbs. That's it. Simple message. Nothing else added. Nothing else really needs to be added. Uh, workhorse of the week, hands down, goes to Howard Zoe Hobbs. Oh, it's another kickster. More of an elite mare than a workhorse going off this week's results. How good is she? No sweat stopping Zoe from breaking <laughs> records. Cam, I love how you've been listening to the show, paying particular attention and dropping in some very mirthful comments. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, Zoe Hobbs, what a star at the Sir Graham Douglas International Meet in Auckland. Thursday night, running 11.02 seconds to coast to victory in the women's 100 metres uh, against a very good field, including the, the cream of uh, the Australian sprinting. And what made that time awesome, it was only her third fastest time of the last fortnight. Uh, though her second best one, second best legal one, one was when assisted when she ran like 10.4, sorry, 10 point, I've, Lost my train of thought. I think it was about 10.8. Wind assisted. 
but that obviously does not stand. But Zoe Hobbs, great shout. Keep your uh, keep your suggestions coming in. And uh, Mark is nominating me for Joke of the Year. Joke of the Year, uh, the All Blacks win 2023 World Cup. Ha, 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 ha. I don't think it... Like, do I think the favourites? No, I'll repeat. But it, it's not beyond the realms of possibility, right? Ben Francis, it could happen. I'm not saying it will happen. But it's not going to be the biggest upset of the year, is it? Well, yeah, it could happen. Like the Fiji Jura went into the game knowing that they could beat the Crusaders. The Blues yes. could beat the Crusaders tonight. It's yeah. a possibility. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And hey, we'll, it, it, they might even be able to deal with sweaty balls better than the other teams in the World Cup after what they've gone through this year. You never know. 12 after 12. David Dome talks some football out of the Wellington Phoenix next. Delighted to welcome into the Saturday session General Manager of the Wellington Phoenix. He is David Dome, and we do appreciate his time. He's got a busy day today. He's heading down to Sky Stadium because uh, the Wellington Phoenix women take on a Perth Glory, uh, looking to uh, carry on a wonderful um, week they had after beating the table-topping Sydney side last weekend by one goal to nil. But last night probably left him with a little bit of pain. He is David Dome. Because your men's side went down five goals to one, Domi, in quite a weird game, I would say. I'm still scratching my head out, finished five goals to one. Good afternoon to you. Yeah, afternoon, Daniel. Yeah, it was an odd game, wasn't it? Uh, look, it, it, certainly proud of the way the boys, you know, at times, boss Adelaide away, which is not easy. You know, we had about 56, 57% possession, which is, at Cooper Stadium, is a pretty good effort. But, you know, we conceded a couple of soft goals in the first half and then didn't didn't score when we had the opportunity. And that's always going to hurt you against a very potent Adelaide side. Yeah. And what, goals one, two and three, um, you need to do better at. I'm sure you'll face facts on that. Ollie Sales, it's, it's a bit of a howler. Probably could have done better for the second and then to concede another set-piece goal straight after half-time virtually. That's one that leaves a coach probably ropeable. I'm not sure if you, you've dared pick up the phone to speak to your coach. No, not yet. I haven't spoken to Ufi. He'll probably He'll be on his way back from Adelaide this afternoon or this morning, leaving this morning and getting back tonight. It's a bit of a trip home from Adelaide, as you can appreciate, a couple of, of, of flights. But he'll be... You know, you know what he's like. He, he's, so, uh, he's so well set up, and he prides himself on his set-pieces, um, we don't we haven't conceded that many from set pieces this year. as you say they've, they've they've scored a couple of cheap goals and and you couldn't really recover from that. We got back to you know three one when when Ruth's got the pen um, and there were a couple of opportunities to get a bit closer. But once if you don't execute those, then teams like Adelaide will hurt. There's a reason why they're second in the table and they score a yep. lot of goals and they've done very very well at going forward. And at Coopers, they're a very hard team to beat. Well, when you have 19 shots and only. Um six on target and one goal to show for it, you probably don't deserve much, do you, David? No, and that's right. I mean, you know, we had a couple of opportunities that that, that could have, that should have been possibly, you know, should have been finished and we would have got us a bit closer. But, you know, these things happen in football. And, um, look, we went over to Adelaide knowing it was going to be hard, but we wanted to come away with something. But to go down, the thing about with the 5-1 that, that you know, is particularly disappointing is it does hurt your goal difference and hopefully it won't matter at yep. the end of the season. But little things like that can actually derail you as it did a couple of years ago when we missed out on on um, the finals by, by one point and a couple of goals. So, you know, it's going to be tough. Uh, but, you know, that's a good team that Ufie's got out there. You've got Oscars coming back. 
you know, I haven't heard anything news about the baby yet, but hopefully that's not too far away. But the good news is there is a bit of a break now while, while the international window goes on, so it gives a bit of time for Oscar yeah. to have his baby and then Ubi to regroup. So, you know, if it's going to come at a time, this is a pretty good time for, for a little break to happen. Yeah, and uh, you return against the victory at home on the 1st of April. Uh, two games at home, three on the road um, as you eye the playoffs. The conspiracy theorists were out last night on social media, Domi. Uh, Ollie Sales' head's turned. He shouldn't play again. What do you say to them now that he has announced <laughs> no. he's moving to Perth? I, 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 Ollie Sales still the be, one of the best, if not the best keeper in the league. Every player has an off day every now and then. It just happens when it's a goalkeeper. It's a little bit more, little bit more obvious. I'm absolutely convinced Ollie Sales will come back stronger in the next game, like say against Victory on April one uh, here in Wellington. Um, so you know, look, in the day, um, if he picks the team, but I, I, I would severely doubt that he will change his goalkeeper. Losing players is part of this business, Domi. You've been there long enough uh, to understand uh, You know, players will leave clubs. But does losing a New Zealander who has captained the side a lot um, in the absence of Alex Rufus sting a little bit more? Because it sounds like you certainly made quite an effort to keep him. Yes, we did. Um, and same with, with Clay as well. We uh, put big deals on the table, long deals on the table. But they felt their future lay elsewhere for a variety of reasons and you probably need to talk to the player to get to the bottom of why they've yeah. made those moves specifically for them, and, um, and often their personal reasons, and, and that's something that we obviously don't can't can't control. We've lost players in the past, and you look at Uli Devia, who was the best player in the league when he left us to go to Macarthur, you know, because his his wife wanted to be based in New South Wales, she she wanted to be based in Sydney. Then there's nothing really you can do much about that. We can't take the club and move it to Sydney because of one player. But then Ufi does a great job and recruits Boja Dolkay if any and he recruits uh, Oscar Zavada. No one is indispensable. There are always players that can be replaced. Uh, and there are really, really good, exciting players coming through our academy. Alex Polson, who is potentially potentially a replacement for, for Ollie, is a quality keeper. He's played A League. He's a he's a very exciting young young keeper. And there is more there are more keepers in our academy as well coming through. I don't have any issue with uh, players leaving if they think they can go in, into a better club. If they can go, if they think they can go to a better resource club as well in terms of facilities. Uh, our facility out there in NZCIS now is second to none, and I honestly believe one of the reasons Clay's come back so quickly from his uh, injury is the, that resource that we have out there in, in, in Trentham. Um, and he was originally looking for a, a return around about the finals time, and then it was about mid-April. And what is it now? We're in we're in March, and he's come back, and I think that's a you know, it's testament to the, the facility we have out there. So if players leave and they leave, they leave that facility as well, and they leave the the, the medical support team that we've built up uh, in the club. God, it's it's such a difference from what the club had say ten years ago, uh, David. Um, the, the facility is running out of a shed out the back of New Newtown Park. Essentially, uh, you've come such a long way on that front. But you know, and I'm glad you raised Clayton Lewis. Those type of players in New Zealand, New Zealand passport holder with you know genuine creativity in the middle of the park don't uh, grow on trees. I'd like to know about your most important re-signing, Ufuk Tale. What's yeah, that? Ufuk, yeah. Yeah, so, look, he, I don't think... He hasn't uh, informed us that he's uh, definitely staying or definitely going. But we are... And I think we've, we've mentioned this before. We are planning for all eventualities, so we're not going to die uh, wondering. We've made it very clear to Ufuk that we'd love him to stay. But he's also an ambitious coach. And in the same way that players want to go to the next step of their career then coaches want to do the same thing as well. And Ufi's been very respectful for the club. He's, he's, he's done his contract. He's played out his contract. Uh, he's told us he's looking for opportunities into Europe and into Asia. 
and he wants to explore those. And so we've gone, you know, what more can we do? We've, we've, we've said we want him to stay, but if he wants to go to the next step in his career, then who are, you know, we're not going to stand in his way. And obviously we can't because he's got a contract anyway. But, you know, if he stays, that would be fantastic. And if he doesn't stay, then we've got plans. Do you set a deadline and, and ask him, just help us out. Give, give us a, a yay or a nay by X date. We haven't set a firm deadline, but we've, we've said that by the end of the season, we'll need to know specifically what right. he wants to do. And I actually think, to so, be honest, I actually think Ufi would let us know before that date. Right, okay. So um, hopefully it's not five or six weeks. Hopefully it's longer than that. Um, and then hopefully years to come, because I, I think he's uh, such an integral part of what you're doing and the consistency you've shown over the last couple of years. But can understand um, him wanting uh, to look further afield because uh, he's certainly capable of it. Um, David Dome. Expansion in the A-League. Big deal. It is a big story. Um, Me as a football fan, I can't help but think of of how cool it would be to see a derby in New Zealand. But that's only a small detail. Uh, There's lots of water to go under the bridge. In broad brushstrokes, if you can look at this more from a New Zealand perspective rather than your nest, um, how big a deal is this, you think? No, I mean... There are pros and cons even for Wellington for an Auckland team coming in. And I agree with you, it'd be great for football in this country. Would it make things more difficult for us in some spaces? Yes, it would. But that would also make it easier. It would raise the profile of football with another team, especially yes. based in Auckland. It would help with the generation of younger players. I mean, our academy's been going for oh, 10 years, 10 plus years now, and it's taken a long time to get that academy up and running. So to have another uh, organisation help shoulder the burden of, of developing young talent... Uh, which we could all benefit from, would, would be good. Um, and as you say, a derby, Wellington versus Auckland, you know, what would you get? I mean, if it's like a Hurricanes Blues, you know, we might get 20,000, 25,000 at Sky Stadium if, if an Auckland team came to visit. And that would be very beneficial financially to Wellington Phoenix if we had one or two of those a year. So there, there are certainly pros and cons. I mean, ultimately, it's a, it's a, um, a decision by the, the governing body, APL. They have to find the investor first, which they, from, one, from everything that I know, they don't have the investor. They have the plan, but they don't have the investor or investors mm. yet, as yet. So there's a bit of water to, to flow under that bridge. Um, and then we also have to be conscious that if by bringing in two new clubs, which one would be Canberra, one would be Auckland, that's the way it's currently being planned, it is a financial injection into the league, and that is a good thing for all the other clubs. And it does justify uh, the, the, the the investment that Silver Lake has made into into the league, and it does just justify the investment that our owners have made into the league if they are going to sell a license for twenty twenty five million Australian. Because then you go, well, that's approximately the value of all the clubs in the league, which is about right. So you know, there are lots lots of ticks um, that can be that come from any new club that's going to start. Making it more complicated, what, is it as simple as saying scramble for sponsorship dollar and scramble for New Zealand-based players? Are, are they the two obvious areas? Those are the two obvious areas, a- absolutely. Um, with most of the corporates based in Auckland, it would be challenging, I think, for, uh, for us, but that's not to say impossible. I think we have, if you look across the league, the Wellington Phoenix has the strongest stable of, of corporates, I believe, in the league. If you look at our front of shirt and you look at our sleeves and our, and our shorts properties, they're all blue chip companies that are on with us and same yep. with the women's team as well. You know, we're very, very lucky in that regard and I think those brands and those companies see the value of the association with Wellington Phoenix and I don't think that'll change with an awful franchise um, because there is, lots, there is lots to be uh, positive about it, that association with the Phoenix as opposed to an Auckland team. 
but um, there, there, there is. But there is still the other component, the other major component, like you say, is the uh, the the pool of New Zealand players. Are there enough New Zealand players? Uh, there's been a bit of comment this week that many people do think there is. Like I think Ricky said that, and uh, Ricky Herbert said that, and Ufi said said the same thing. And I think that's that's right. I think undeniably there will be. Uh, inflationary pressure on player salaries, as, as both Arsenal and Auckland franchise potentially does compete for them. But you know, which is good, great for the players, <laughs> not so good for the bottom line of, of the clubs. Um, but that's why we put a lot of uh, uh, um, a lot of investment into our academy because we believe bringing through those players, having them under our training for five years before they turn pro, as many players have done over the last couple of years, then that's our best opportunity to develop players and have them come through at an A League standard. David, do you see, see any irony like I do, that after years and years and years where Wellington were basically told, and basically you're not good enough for this league, that you are one of the more stable clubs uh, around, and New Zealand, ironically, is um, the area for expansion? We are one of the few clubs that has never been financially bailed out by the parent body, whether that's Football Australia or, or APL. We have always stood on our own two feet. Um, and as you quite rightly point out, there was a, a period there where there was a CEO of Football Australia who was actively looking to oust Wellington Phoenix for his own reasons, um, which were not football-related at all by any strength of the imagination. So that's... And, and as you say... And now we're in 2023, 2024, and they're saying, well, we actually want another New Zealand team. I guess this is what happens when the clubs now own the league and the future of the league is being determined by the clubs themselves as opposed to administrators within a, a football um, administrative body. Um, and the league has said, we see Auckland as the next best uh, market, along with yeah. Canberra, for, for expansion. And, and, you know, without Wellington Phoenix, if we had folded in those years, in those mid-2010s, you know, when we were being forced out, there would be no Auckland franchise and there would be no professional football. And a lot of credit, a lot of credit has to go to the chairman, Rob Morrison, and his ownership group, Wellnick's ownership group, who stood firm during that time. And we had to take a lot. We had to take a lot of pressure from Australia and had to make numerous um, uh, back-to-the-wall fighting to, to, to remain within the competition. And we've come through that. And like you say, we've come through at the other side and... and <laughs> Now they want a second team in New Zealand, and that second franchise would never have existed if Rob hadn't stood firm. So a lot of credit has to go there. Yeah, professional women's football too. Um, you know that's a huge tick uh, on the shoulders of uh, the Wellnicks. Um, it's probably crass for you to say, but I'll say it. But you know, thank you, Wellington Phoenix. Thank you, Wellnicks. Uh, Terry Serapisos too for actually starting the thing. Uh, I think yeah. um, you know New Zealand football has has a lot to thank um, your club for. Uh, lastly, um, APL, do, do you envision if they can't find an investor, they will uh, front the club a bit like they did with Western Sydney Wanderers, didn't they, before selling it, getting it off the ground? I think that's how it worked back then. Do you think there would be an appetite for something of that sort to, to try and get the bedrocks of a club up and running and then show everyone what you've got and then sell it? No, that is right. That is how Football Australia did it. They signed Western Sydney for the first, the first couple of years and it was very successful and, and they sold it at a premium, which was, you know, a, a great business model. I, there has been no talk of that from APL right. about whether they would personally invest or as an organisation they would invest um, either in Canberra or Auckland. I think given that the clubs now own APL, there would be some resistance from be some of the other clubs. It, yeah, would it would be complicated. I mean, I think you, yeah. 
you could make the case, as you say, that it did work very well with Western, um, and you could probably make the case, but I think it's less likely these days. Uh, but, you know, never say never. It's an interesting... I've never heard that before. You're the first person to raise that. Um, but I don't think it's likely to happen, but, you know, I mean, stranger things have happened in football, right? <laughs> Ain't that the truth? David Dome, appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy the game uh, this evening. Um, I, I, I sense the Wellington Phoenix women's side. It's turned a little bit of a corner. I won't say completely around the corner, but they're showing signs of getting the vehicle moving forward in the right direction, right? I think that's a fair reflection of what we've seen maybe over the last couple of months. Oh, I think it's very fair. And, you know, it start, I mean, even when at the start of the season when they were just losing games, you could, you know, we were scratching our heads, how do we lose that game? They played so well. And then they had the 5-0 tonking of, of Canberra at home and that sort of turned the corner. And then they had a very few, you know, the draw against Brisbane, which should have been a win when they were down to, to 10 players. I mean, just magnificent. And they're playing really, I mean, that last game against Sydney, they, I mean, that, like you say, they bossed the top of the table team. Uh, mm. and they're playing really, really good football. So, yes, I certainly think that there is, well, like you say, it might not be the entire corner has been turned. There's certainly on that on that curvature. And I, I they won't finish, my, I strongly believe they won't finish bottom of the table. I strongly believe they'll, there's 12 points left in the season and they'll, they'll be picking up points for the end of the season, no doubt. David, thanks so much, mate. I know you've had a really busy weekend. I uh, hope the uh, game goes well tonight. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate the support. David Doan, General Manager of the Wellington Phoenix, uh, talking a myriad of topics there. Plenty of food for thought um, across a, a lot of those. Uh, really interesting stuff. We do appreciate his time. Updating the Test cricket from the Basin Reserve. New Zealand have progressed to 281 for the loss of two, really making uh, Sri Lanka pay on the opening session of day number two. They've gone from 155 for the loss of two. Uh, through to a very strong position with uh, two set batsmen, of uh, course. And now both eyeing test match hundreds now, aren't they? Uh, Kane Williamson is 97 not out. 281 for the loss of two. And alongside him, Henry Nichols is 65 not out. I'm just waiting for the music. No, it's not coming, it's not coming today. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, you got me. Hey, you got me. 65 not out, Nichols. Williamson's 97 not out, 281 for the loss of two. Uh, the run rate's 3.78. Yeah. Humming along. Humming along, and T stills, what, 26 minutes away. We will take a break. It's clearly 26 minutes away from one o'clock. We will uh, change tune after the break. We will uh, look at the horse racing world with the wonderful team. The wonderful team. Fronted by the megastar, Clado. We'll catch up with him after this break. No, Clado. No, 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 no. Elliot. No, Elliot. Elliot was on as a guest part of our Swinging Both Ways cricketing segment. He's at the Basin Reserve, pretending to be a cricket commentator. It's TV. They don't really commentate, do they? Just trying to get onside with Grant Elliot, clearly. Offside. Uh, updating the crickets. Um, Kane Williamson. Has another Test Match 100. Kane Williamson delivers more than Clado and the good oil crew. Kane Williamson, slightly better than Clado and crew. 101, Kane Williamson. Clado, 28 Test Match 100s. 
28th, he's right up there, isn't he, right now? And, you know, the amount of tests that we played compared to the English and that, it just makes it even more remarkable. What a, what a guy. Do you think taking the captaincy off him had something to do with it? With his run of form of late? Without having spoken to him about it, um, on the surface it looks like it, right? I, I, I wonder if the elbow is feeling a little bit better. Yeah. Because um, originally I, I thought think... it might have been the other way around, that he gave up the white ball captaincy and kept the test uh, captaincy, but yeah. that shows how much I know. <laughs> what I do know is he had scored at a remarkable rate as captain as well. So it wasn't as if it was a, you know, quote-unquote burden to his batting whilst he was captaining that side. Uh, but but maybe, you know, doing all three, you know, just wanted a little bit more time to himself to focus on what he does best, and that is scoring test runs. And he certainly, he's just gone to another level. Man, what, what, a, what a series we've had this season, haven't it? Or year to yeah, test it, cricket. It's just rewritten the rule book. Yeah, 2,800, 2,800. He hasn't even played 100 test matches. Like, yeah, it's, it's just incredible. It's just incredible. Yeah, and I, I just want to ring up his numbers. Average 55 as a captain, Plato. Average 55 as a captain. Um, and he's taken his average um, you know, now towards uh, 55 overall. That's frightening. And under... Under Tim Southey. Tim Southey better be buying him dinner every night. <laughs> oh, he's the quintessential uh, since Kiwi. Tim Southey, since Tim Southey's taken over, 642 test runs at 91. Oh. <laughs> well, they got that spot on. Yeah, indeed. Long, mate, continue. All right, Clado, what Kane Williamson-like performance have you got for us today, mate? Well, we've actually gone to the best uh, two, probably the most Group 1 winning woman in the world joins us today, and that is Sam Spratt. Oh, fantastic. She's probably written more winners back. than any other she's female back. Group 1. Yeah, she's back. We had to get her suspended. She gave up Oaks Day today to come and be with us. So, yeah, great to have her back on the show. She's looking forward to it. So so are a lot of our I've, listeners. And now, I've been uh, in and out over the last few weeks. How have you performed early summer or late summer? Now autumn, in fact. Yeah, getting to autumn. Yeah, well, it's, it's building. It's building. <laughs> what the, the pot of gold that you've been winning for for the for the teams out there? We've, we've been getting or... close. Yeah, it's tough times. Tough times. But I think we'll be right today with a uh, Spratty in here and Louis down there in Christchurch. So heavy, heavy track at Tauranga. Eight race card. I think we can find a couple of roughies at Tauranga to get us through later in the day for the Pundits Club and. Oaks Day at Trentham today. It is Group 1 day. That's really where Grant Elliott's gone in between commentating duties. He's shot out to Trentham yeah, a little I, bit. I, was, I, I would not be surprised he, he would actually do that. Saunter off after his 20-minute stint. <laughs> no, you know, booking book book a late one in the final session. Um, you know, make an appearance after, you know, probably losing a whole heap of coin. So that that is the feature. Trentham is the place to be today. Oh, it certainly is. Um, Group 1, Levin Classic as well, drawing a really good field. So it's a really exciting day out at Trentham today and sort of we can't be on course. We're in the next best place. And, you know, hopefully we can tip the listeners into a few winners. Just listen to what Spratty's got to say because she knows more than me and Louie will ever know. <laughs> Clado Louie. We'll be riding off the coattails of Sam Spratt, who will be joining the crew after 1 o'clock. Clayton, good to see you, friend. Uh, thanks so much. Have a great day on the punt. We will. Thanks, Dan. Uh, 
the time is 16 minutes away from 1 o'clock. We're about one minute away from joining um, the crew who will have the call for us in Tauranga. That is our meet to race number one. Ekane Williamson now 28 Test Match 100s, uh, Ben Francis. He's gone past 100. Um, next on the list, Joe Root, Don Bradman with 29. Wow. Did you ever, I, I never in my wildest dreams come out being a cricket tragic, you know, 35, 40 years ago, expected any New Zealander to get anywhere near Don Bradman. 29 Test Match 100s. Bradman did it here in freakishly 52 tests. Joe Root, 129 tests for 2900s. Kane Williamson is playing his 94th test. Incredible. Averaging 55. Enjoy it. He's gone past 8,000 test runs. The first New Zealander to do so. Enjoy it. Savour it. Soak it in. For however long it may last, you are seeing a once-in-a-lifetime player. We head to Tauranga right now for race number one. Kane Williamson is up to 106, Nichols is 72, and New Zealand are 297 for the loss of two as we approach lunch on day number two against a spent force that is uh, Sri Lanka. Why? Because I've been watching it during this show, and as we get to our sporting tips, we should probably run a mile from in just a second. Uh, that is me uh, forecasting what I'm going to do. Um, get on the head-to-head now, like you're running out of time. Running out of time, that's, that's my warning. Right, let's get, though, to our minus agritized workhorse of the week. Ben Francis, he's been scrambling all morning to come up with one. Midas Agritires, the choice of leading manufacturers, the workhorse of the week, the athlete, the team, the coach, the whatever, who worked furiously hard to entertain us that we've been left mightily impressed by. Ben Francis, I will give an honourable mention, and I will go honourable mention only because uh, so many text messages have already highlighted her extraordinary effort. But Zoe Hobbs, um, I'm not going to give her a workhorse of the week. She only's on track for 11 seconds. She's cutting quarters, mate. Lazy. Lazy Zoe, aren't you? That's clearly a joke. She's quite brilliant. What an incredible uh, story it has been. To see those times, what would have put her in the final of the World Championships? Really? A New Zealander in the final of the World 100 Metres 100? That's awesome. That would have won silver at the Commonwealth Games. Uh, let's hope those times continue. So honourable mention. But workhorse of the week, five days, down to the last hour, down to the last over, down to the last ball. I, I can't go past the Test match in Christchurch. Uh, my workhorse of the week, um, not Kane Williamson, not Daryl Mitchell. Uh, how about this, Ben Francis? All 22 cricketers who took us to that scenario. Honourable mention also to Neil Wagner, bulging disc, torn hammy, sprinting. But I'm going to give it to both teams. Um, Sri Lanka sort of got overlooked as far as I was concerned. Uh, and what they what they provided us, incredible entertainment. I'm not sure it's going to be as tight uh, at the basin, though, Ben. What are your suggestions for our Midas Agritize Workhorse of the Week? So I was actually going to go down the Zoe Hobbs uh, road as well, but I wanted to give my non-nomination for Grant Elliott for picking up his phone this week. <laughs> what, you were surprised he did? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And on the first attempt That's as well. Yeah, amazing. It never happens. <laughs> the world is obviously coming to an end if Elliott picks up the phone straight away. Uh, brilliant stuff. Uh, have you got an actual... Workhorse of the week? Yeah, Zoe Hobbs. Oh, Zoe Hobbs. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, thank you very much. Uh, all in association with Midas Agritize, European quality made affordable. Let's get to the sporting tips. You'd probably run a mile from uh, Ben Francis. I'm going to say Sri Lanka looks spent. They've just missed out on making the World Test Championship final last week. Back-to-back test into a howling northerly breeze on day number one. Day number two, they are being made to pay. 
I'm not sure I see much bite, unfortunately. Sri Lanka are paying $42. $1.72 right now. It, it, that sounds pretty good for the Black Caps. Yeah, not the sexiest bet, but that's what I'm... The more and more I've watched this morning, the more and more I, I, I think it's going to happen. Uh, my other t- punt, it's going to be... I'm so torn. It's going to be really hot in Townsville tonight, isn't it, Ben? It's going to be really hot. Probably. Which means it's going to be sweaty. <laughs> which means the ball's going to be really sweaty, and the two teams will drop the ball lots. And both teams have defended quite well. But I, I think... I think more than 48 points to be scored tonight. What's that paying? $2.75. Oh, I like that. Yeah, so I think um, another week together, systems building, tired defences. I'm going more than 48 points in the uh, Cowboys-Warriors game, paying $2.75. Interesting. That's, uh, that's my outside punt. There you go. What have you got? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a three-league multi, which is paying, uh, where is it, $9.13. We've got uh, the Warriors to beat the Cowboys. We've got the Blues to beat the Crusaders. And then we've got my good old Bradford City to round it all off with the League 2 Harland in action. Andy Cook, uh, they're up against uh, Hartlepool. That's paying $1.45. All up, that is said $9.13. So you want to get rich this weekend and buy a stake in uh, Auckland Roadcone AFC, then get on that. <laughs> and if you look further afield, football fans... Napoli, $4.33 to win the Champions League after the draw this morning. Remember, I told you to get on Erling Haaland's getting 60 goals at the beginning of the season. He's 39 and counting. You're welcome. Thanks to everyone who's played a part in the program. Thanks to Ben Francis. Good all is up next. Take it easy, team. Catch you next Saturday.